Good evening. The presenting sponsor of 30 and Nerdy Podcast is Advertising Expressions. Advertising Expressions exists to promote your business, school, church, or even your podcast, just like they do for the quite fine show, 30 and Nerdy. They promote such organizations by getting their name in front of as many as possible, as often as possible, for as long as possible. So whether you advertise on your rear window, or wear a shirt so that strangers on a train know where you work, be sure that advertising expressions can help you. After all, I confess that their service is absolutely murder. Contact them today and tell them 30 and Nerdy Podcast sent you to see what deals are in store. and nerdettes you have entered the fortress of nerditude yet again welcome to another episode of 30 and nerdy podcast i am your host the duke of nerds the sweet tea of the nerdy south tyler mack and joined of course by my co-host the podfather of 30 and nerdy the doctor of nerdonomics josh davis what's up doc hola nerd migos so, we are back in the fortress. Yeah, it's good to be here. It is. It is really good to be here. Um, last week, we had a fun little episode outside. Very ambiotic. <laughs> yeah, it was really nice. It we were lo- by the pool. Lovely. We had a, a day at the pool. Mm-hmm. We recorded by the pool. You could hear birds in the background, some splashes of the pool, well, cars. When you're important movie stars like yeah. we are. Yeah, we had Because we did finish a, an important uh, shoot that day. Yes. Uh, yes. I mean, more, more information to come. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, so we hung out at the pool. Mm-hmm. We're like, you know what? Let's just do our thing mm-hmm. right here. And it was if we had the ability, recording in the pool, would have been probably the only thing to make it better. I'm working on some blueprints for <laughs> some concoctions for next year, so we can Sweet. get that figured out. Sweet, because it's just it would be so relaxing. Yeah. Just like floating or sitting on the steps in the water. Uh huh. Recording. Hey, I got you. They don't call me the the doctor for nothing. All right, around then. here, I'm I'm gonna hold you to that. Hey. So last week done. we discussed uh, a little bit of Loki, and uh, which we're going to do again in this episode. Of course. About that monumental. Oh. Wow. Episode yeah. four, um, and we also talked about celebrating 30 years of Sonic the Hedgehog and 25 years of Mario 64. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a lot of fun talking about those two. Um, you had a lot of facts about Sonic I had no idea. But yeah. we also were very admittant about we didn't play a lot of Sonic. Yeah, no, we just didn't own Sega. Yeah. So uh, go back and listen to that episode. Uh, anywhere you cast your pod. And, you know, uh, it's it's been a, a heck of a week. Um, we, we learned that we are going to have to do some ADR sessions. 
Yeah. With Cricket for the movie. Yeah. Uh, which we will do in the fortress. Luckily, we're set up perfectly yeah. to do that. And uh, we were fortunate to get to be like, hey, man, uh, we have a place. Yeah. I mean, we already are set up to do it and just bring what you need. So and why not? So that's also exciting that it's not just over with because it was very, you know, it was five and a half, six hours of shooting, but it was very, it was just over. Yeah. You know, we were just like, we came in, we did our thing and we were done. Yeah. It was one day. And so it's kind of, it's going to be cool to get to see the finished product yeah. before well, anybody and get to do some ADR for not it. Not to uh, like, you know, pat ourselves on the back here, but uh, Nick, the director, he went ahead and did all the editing for the the parts of the movie that we were in. Mm-hmm. And he sent us a message in the middle of the week and said, guys, I got the scenes put together and uh, I, I got it right here. Myself. He says, gentlemen, I've edited the scene in preparation for the ADR session and I have to say, y'all absolutely killed it. Yeah. Can't wait for you to see this. Well, so, just I'm fine. excited, man. <laughs> I'm, that's, that's just fine. That's just fine. <laughs> uh, so, how's your week been? Oh, pretty good, man. Pretty cool. good. Yeah, I've just been relaxing. You deserve it. I, you know what? I do deserve it. <laughs> I do. Because when I look at the calendar, it's like four weeks or a little less yeah. until I go go back to the grind. So mm. think of me. To a hopefully a normal year. It's looking that way. Looking that way. My Unless year. this Delta variant takes over oh, in a wild fashion. Hopefully, yeah. you'll have a normal school year. Yeah, I just want to put get get a show put on. Yeah, you know, the kids deserve that. Yeah, so um, hoping that works out this year. So, I hope so too. Yeah, I really do uh, for the sake of the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so this week we celebrated the Fourth of July. Oh yeah. Uh, how was yours? Pretty good. I, I I've reached the level of of dad where like. All the family comes to my house now, oh. and I'm the one who does all the cooking and oh, stuff like that. Oh, no. I don't have a grill, so I did the burgers on the stove, which ah. is like, you know, but it turned out pretty good, yeah. you know. But, so, yeah. hint, hint, that's what you want for your birthday or Christmas, obviously. Is a grill? Is a grill. I don't know. You've got I'm... your riding lawnmower. Oh. You've got to achieve that next level of dad. Did you see, do you remember the King of the Hill episodes when uh, the Megalomart exploded and Hank was in it yes. and he survived and then he was scared of propane? Yeah. I feel like that would be me. Like, if I had a propane grill, I'd be like turning little knobs and I'd be, I'd hear it hiss and be like, ah, I'm afraid it's going to blow up. And I have terrible luck and I'm really yeah. clumsy, so if anything was going to happen, it would happen to me. Yeah. So maybe I should just stick to making them on the stove. Maybe. I don't know. There's something different about a burger on the grill, man. It just hits. No, it's different. Like every which way it's done. Yeah. But these were, I gotta admit, they were really good. And my wife is really picky, you know, like especially when I'm cooking. Uh, But she she liked them so. So we uh, took part in 1907's Brewing Company, downtown Morristown, brand new brewery this year. Yeah. You know, make their own stuff, and they carry some local things. Their inaugural trivia night. Team Bofa took on 1907 along with nine or ten other teams, including the team consisting of Ashley Horner. Yes, a blast from the past. Troy Bolton himself. And uh, your boy here 
finally answered the question of who's better, Chad or Troy. <laughs> by beating them in trivia. Yes. My team, Bofa, consisting of me, Gustavo, Peyton, and Dad. Okay. We took first place in the inaugural trivia night out of like 12 or 13 First place? Teams. First place, Oh, brother. insert applause. I here. know. So it was five rounds, ten questions each round, and it was themed each each round. So like science, geography, stuff like that. Yeah. Round five was Morstown trivia. Oh, my. Which Dad just kind of got wide-eyed, and he was like, yeah. everyone sit down. <laughs> round four was pop culture. Yes. And Josh, I wanted to walk up to this trivia guy and smack him and say, like, these are too easy. Yeah. What was the hardest one? The hardest question they had was, what was the name of the fictional beer in King of the Hill? Alamo, right? Yes. That was the hardest question. Another question was, like, uh, what actor uh, known for Parks and Rec and Guardians of the Galaxy... (laughs) Is in the upcoming movie, The Tomorrow War. I was like, mm. okay, Chris Pratt. Uh, what uh, Marvel character is known for his uh, genius playboy philanthropist antics? Okay, Tony Stark. It was the only round that 11 out of the 13 teams got 100% on. It's like, it's too easy at that point. Like, I Show understand some respect to the, pop to the culture genre, is like man. most people are like... Today. Okay, I know some things today. Like, even someone like Ashley Horner, who's not a comic book guy. Yeah. New Tony Stark. New Chris Pratt. New King of the Hills beer. New uh, all the questions. So I was just like, uh, that's a little too easy. But, first I mean, place. 100% helped boost us into first place. Did they take your picture? Like, are you going to be. They did not take your picture, but we did, we did get a $25 gift card to 1907 Brewery. <laughs> and. Uh, well. Even though Thursday, we will be seeing Black Widow Thursday. Yeah. Hopefully, Peyton and Dad will team up with Nolan and carry on the tradition of, all right, got to defend the title now. Yeah. So, inaugural 1907 trivia, Team Bofa took, a, took the victory, the gold. I mean, the presence of a champion. You yes, you are. So, that was a lot good. of fun. Then, 4th of July, and we had this massive cookout at work, uh, raising money for Guns to Hammers, which was... We did very well. And what Guns to Hammers is, if anybody's interested, it's a nonprofit in Texas where it's ran by veterans, where if someone comes home from uh, battle or war or anything like that, injured, and they need their doors widened or ramps put on their home or anything like that, they do it at no cost to the veteran. So we raise a lot of money for that. Each month, we are donating constant amount of money to Guns to Hammers. And we had a cookout where all the proceeds of slushies and specific moonshines and you, we were grilling hot dogs and then we had chips and desserts and all that and it was a lot of fun. Well, 4th of July comes and we're, we're having all this fun. We're shooting fireworks and we learned the hard way that, you know every year as 4th of July is coming around, pet owners try to raise awareness of animals being afraid of the sound you know try to be considerate put your animal inside you know cover its ears because it does scare them well we did not know that rup had opened his door and we were shooting fireworks and he takes off towards the woods so after a few minutes of realizing what had happened we all and scour the entire property 
and can't find them. We go as far as Powell's and Food City and that road that leads between Burkline and I mean I am like the good old days scouring these woods like I used to as a kid. Still got it, by the way. Um, and we just can't find him. I mean, hours go by. I mean, some people actually went to bed, but Peyton and Kelly stayed up and said around 1 a.m. he finally came out of the woods. I was like, that's impossible. It's impossible that he was hiding in the woods because I, with a flashlight, went through every inch of those woods and was just like, he's not here. He's a chubby little fellow, so he it's is. kind of funny that he, it's impossible. he got away I was like, so That's fast. what I'm saying. That's impossible. <laughs> I would have waddles. seen him. <laughs> and the first thing, two things crept into my mind as I'm walking through these woods. There was a bear in Morristown. I saw that. The day before. Yep. I was like, what if I were walking through these woods? Right on the highway. And I came right up on this black bear. It would have scared I'd have been like, I don't know what to do. And give it honey. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think you're supposed to go into the fetal position. That's what they say. And then the second thing is I hit the exact spot when the first time I laid eyes on Madeline, the girl, the, oh. the little girl that haunts my house. I laid. I was standing in the spot facing the right way, and I just it just froze. I was like, what if it happens again? And I text Maddie, who's by the fire pit, like, have you seen anything? I was like, Maddie, I'm currently standing in the exact position that I first laid eyes on Madeline. And I don't know what I would do now as a 32-year-old. <laughs> I'd come barreling out of that. Because she doesn't pick on me. She's not like a demonic presence. But I would still be like, this is not the moment I want to see a little girl in a white dress. Fun fact, I've known Tyler since uh, the year of our Lord, 2007. Yes. And I have not slept one wink in that house mm -hmm. because some creepy stuff goes on at that it house. does i'm telling you it does people are gonna think we're crazy but i'm telling you ghosts i've felt it i've snakes. seen things <laughs> I've, well yeah we got proof of the snake thing so so yeah it was and he finally came back and another guest came with nippy as she came apparently while they were sitting around the fire uh kelly hears this specific meow it's a meow she's never heard and Nippy comes walking up with a kitten. A pretty little gray kitten. Nippy's fixed. Cleo's fixed. So we're like, uh, uh, who dropped off a kitten? So this we've got this new kitten just chilling outside with Nippy. We're, I mean, eating part of Nippy's food, hanging out with Nippy, just chilling. Just this tiny kitten. So naturally, since it was the fourth, Peyton called her Liberty. <laughs> Libby for short. Uh, <laughs> this is an adorable Liberty Bell. Liberty. Liberty. She smells like freedom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's been an interesting week. A lot's happened. Yeah. And not just in my world, but in the world of nerd culture. We have... I'm about to go on vacation. But we have planned our return to the cinema oh yeah for the first time in a long time since birds of prey yeah. we have not been in a movie theater mm -hmm. and we are going for your birthday to watch black widow mm -hmm. and there's only one way to do it and that is in in the big screen mm -hmm. we were not going to pull the mulan with this movie <laughs> yeah we had to return to the That's cinema right. for this we've right. kind of been prepping like you know what as much as theaters are opening and certain things are coming back let's say Black Widow, stamped, 
and approved it's a is the return yeah. to the theater. So, so I'm excited. It's gonna be great. I'm excited. I um I the as much as I don't put a lot of stock into Rotten Tomatoes, I talk mad trash about Rotten Tomatoes. A a rater or whatever for Rotten Tomatoes has said this is the perfect Marvel movie. Wow. This is the best Marvel movie. Another what? one said certified fresh. I was like, what? Oh. So I think that we've been so busy as nerd culture. Like, if you listen to a lot of podcasts out there, even ones that I love, they started to get the the feeling of who cares. But apparently, the people who have seen it have fallen in love with it. Oh, good. So that's that's good to hear. I'm very happy. I'm Um, very excited. I'm really looking forward to it. I think, when's the last time we went to IMAX for one of the premieres? I think it was Civil Civil War War was the last time. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, this this is a special one, a special it occasion. It's my birthday. It's our return to movie theaters. It's the return of a Marvel movie. Mm. First one since uh, Spider-Man. Far From Home. Far From Home, which was like two years ago. Yeah, two years. So, it's a big deal. So it really is. And it's going to be a lot of fun. And we're going to do something yet again for the first time ever. We're going to record the first half of our episode <laughs> on the way there in the car. Yeah. So it's also going to be very ambiotic. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to hear car noises and maybe uh, road rage, possibly. We'll edit that out. Maybe. Who, me? No. no. Uh, uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about Black, Black Widow as a character in the first segment on the way. <laughs> yeah. And then we'll talk about the movie on the way home. When it's fresh. When it's fresh in our heads. Yeah. But literally moments after we've seen yes. the post-credits Yes. Whatever it is. Yes, but be not afraid, nerds and nerdettes. We will not release it until the 72 hours has passed. Mm -hmm. Uh, It will not release until the embargo's over, so we will not spoil anything. But that gives you three days after it drops. Three days from the night of the 8th to see it before we drop our episode. I think that's fair. We've all kind of agreed to this 72-hour embargo, so that's fair um and then i will be gone on vacation uh and then when we come back we will we will have some more shows but we will be back in the fortress uh i'm excited because also this past week i got to uh join wayward spirit podcast and just by the name of it you can imagine what Mm. they're talking about supernatural yeah i got to hang out with the hostess and we talked about villains of supernatural and some of the news surrounding that we kind of talked about last week on the episode. Right. Our feelings on all the drama within the Supernatural Universe. So, huge shout out to Wayward Spirit Pod. I'm excited. It's going to be her season four premiere in a few weeks when that episode drops. Uh, thank you for having me. I uh, hope to come back uh, soon and talk about more Supernatural. Uh, but, have you... I read something interesting this week. Before we get to the actual show, I wanted to... Have you heard of the Stranger Things Tennessee Theory? I have not. Enlighten me, sir. Okay, so I found this blog that says Stranger Things setting is actually based off of East Tennessee. What? So what I'm reading is actually the blog, so try not to get too bored. Okay, so my name is William and I live in East Tennessee. Stranger Things appeals to me on so many levels and is one of the best shows I've ever seen. 
Furthermore, my interest is in the show also correlates with its setting. Yes, I know it's filmed in Jackson, Georgia, and its fictional setting is a fictional Indiana town. However, note that on a school bus in the 12th minute of the first episode, it says Roan County School District. There is only two Roan counties in the USA, to my knowledge, and that's the one I live in, East Tennessee, and there's a Roan County, West Virginia. This is only my first point. My second point is in the 31st minute of the second episode when Chief Hopper is asking the guy from the restaurant if he knew anything. He says, we were going down to Etowah to fish. This helps shed some light on the so-called fictional setting. There is a town tucked away in the southeastern Tennessee called Etowah, which is south of Roan County. I'm assuming here, since he says down, I'm trusting him that he really means this direction, down, as in south. This holds value since Etowah, Tennessee has good fishing. And if the show was implying about the Etowah River, which is north of Atlanta, it still points strongly towards a connection to Roan County, Tennessee. If the show's writers are going through real-world places that are actually near where they are filming, Jackson, Georgia, they need to do a better job with their geography because Jackson, Georgia is south of Atlanta. My last point, and I think this may persuade some of you that are still reading this, this lab that is in the same county can easily be substituted for Oak Ridge National Lab, mm -hmm. which is just slightly northeast of Roan County. Uh -huh, uh -huh. This lab played a major role during the Manhattan Project and the Cold War and is on Roan County's border. Is this a coincidence? I would love to see if the Duffer Brothers can answer it. What do you think? Uh, well, that's a, a very nice, well-written uh, uh, theory. Theory there, William. At yes. first, I wanted to say, oh, perhaps he's a former student of mine, but he said he's from Rome County, so I guess not. But, um, but I mean, it's but interesting. It's not though. No, it's not. <laughs> you know, no. but it's an interesting connection. But yeah, nice. I mean, he, I feel like he may have overshot a little bit and overthought. No. Which, as we've said countless times on this podcast, we tend to do <laughs> as nerds and fans. Um, but I just I read that and I was like, you know what? I don't hate it. I think I know it's it's not correct. It's not yeah. It's not right. It's not a thing. It's not a thing. But uh, it's interesting how he pulls from real Tennessee knowledge. Mm -hmm. And I would love to say that yes, the Duffers have based this story off of some creepy story that has happened in East Tennessee. But William, I'm sorry, my friend. <laughs> it's not. Yeah. It's it's based actually off of the Montauk project that happened in New York. But thanks for playing. But thanks for playing, kid. I give you half a point. <laughs> so, what do you say we get to the show? Let's do it. DJ Mike Cowie, take us in. It's time to nerd up or shut up. Let's get dangerous. Welcome to the 30 and Nerdy Podcast, the flagship show of Badcast Company Productions.
30 and Nerdy Podcast is an alternate reality radio show, a member of the Legion of Independent Podcasts, and part of the Council of Nerds. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Reach out using the hashtag 30andNerdyPod. You can also find us and other amazing podcasts at podchaser.com by searching The Apocalypse and Pod Nation. Got something to say? Email us at 30andNerdyPod at gmail.com or check out the website at 30andNerdyPodcast.com. Now, sit back, crank it to 11. The nerds are here. All right. So, we are talking in this first segment about my favorite thing, the nerdcabulary word. I'm so excited. I know you are. This one that Maddie actually created okay. when we were watching Once Upon a Time. <laughs> uh, somebody calls Hooker Rap Scallion. <laughs> it's a nerd scallion. <laughs> a nerd scallion is a mischievous nerd who is always up to no good on purpose. For instance, Rev can be a nerd scallion sometimes trying to get other nerds worked up. Oh. Now, when has he ever done that? I Jews. couldn't think of a single time. <laughs> so, nerd scallion. <laughs> Thank you, Maddie, Every for the day. help. <laughs> uh, I want. I really, really want some some of you all listening to send videos in of this one, whether it's TikTok or not. And if not, you're a scruffy looking nerd herder. Ooh. How's that for you? Oh, mic drop. A scruffy looking nerd herder. Hey. <laughs> You guys just got two nerd vocabulary words for the, the price of one. Baby. The juice is loose today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're silly. We are silly. We are two wild and crazy, crazy guys. guys. <laughs> so why don't we get into some nerdly news? Yeah. This is the nerdly news. This is the nerdly news. This is the nerdly news. Welcome to the Nerdly News, ladies and gentlemen. Starting off, the boys showrunner Eric Kripke has teased a big opening for the upcoming third season, claiming it's the craziest thing anyone's ever done. Season 3 began shooting earlier this year, and the boss has promised its biggest season with a game-changing opener. Wow. Guys, this... game-changing... How can they top last season? As game-changing as... 35 heads exploding in a courtroom. Unbelievable. <laughs> and like, first 10, 15 minutes of season one, episode one. Uh, Robin gets it. Yeah. Ran through. Yeah. I mean, so, how, how are you going to top this? Whew. So, if, if you are interested in The Boys Season 3 and you want to know more about the source material, uh, go out and find The Boys Story Herogasm. That is the primary story that's going to be ran in the third season. So if you were wondering, if you want to catch up on what the source material is going to be about, go read that. 
Herogasm from the boys. I'm excited. Jensen Ackles is going to be in it, so yeah, yeah. it'll be interesting to when, see uh, Soldier this, Boy and Homelander come. When does this drop? When's this happening? I think it's fall. This fall, okay. I believe. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Very excited. Definitely, I'm going to have to go back and do a little uh, binge. Watch yeah, because yeah. I've only watched season two the one time. I, uh, I think I've seen season one like three times. I got Maddie through season one, and then she watched one episode of season two, and she's like, do it. I need a break because yeah. we've done a lot of dark, a lot of superhero, a lot of dark fantasy. So now we're on The Office. <laughs> we're That's in a good season four, and she freaking loves it, man. She laughs, and you know the awe moments are there, and she's cracking up. Uh, Who's her favorite character? Uh, I don't know. I haven't asked her. I haven't asked her yet. She probably loves Jim and Pam. Probably. Probably. And I know I she could, hates Angela and she hates Ryan. I could see oh good. And yeah. I also do not like Kelly. Or yeah, Toby. She says she loves to hate Kelly. Uh I she feels bad for Toby a lot. See her liking Andy. Mm. I don't have an I haven't I, I haven't asked her yet. She said Creed creeps her out. I don't know what he's supposed to. He's so funny Because <laughs> uh we're on season four. We are about halfway through season four. And uh, actually, no, we finished season four because it was the short season during the writer's strike. Mm-hmm. We're, uh, we're about three or four episodes into season five. And we just watched Holly being transferred. Holly, yep. I just watched that too. Yeah. She was like, transferred? Yeah. Yeah. Bye, Holly. And uh, so she is loving it. And I love that she's loving it because as going into it, most people, I would say, like, we're about to start the office. And, like, even, you know, like, Emma, who's a huge fan of The Office and, like, so many friends, most skip season one. She loved no, season one. No, I don't skip it. She loved season yeah. one. She laughed. Mm-hmm. I was like, dude, some of season one scripts are some, like, you know, uh, like, episode two when they're talking about, uh, when they talk about the Chris Rock routine. Oh, and yeah. Uh, that's a well-written comedy script. Yeah. Oh, and it I love won the, Emmys. The one with the uh, uh, oh, Amy Adams. Amy Adams yeah. and the purse yeah. girl and all that stuff. That's season great. one should not be skipped. No, if you're no, skipping no. it, you're missing some quality scripts, people. But do you have the cringe ones that you do skip though? Uh, Scott's tots. I skip Scott's tots. I skip Phyllis's wedding. I mean, I can't skip anything with Maddie right now. But yes, yeah. when I go back. Are yeah. you going to warn her about Scott's Toss? Like, just so you know, this episode is famous because people skip it because it's so, it's so cringe. awkward and cringy. I'll probably oh, warn her. What I mean, she'll hear do? this. and. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but she loves it. And I'm like, yes. We should do like a watch-along reaction something. Of with, Scott's Toss. When she watches it. <laughs> yeah. And I'll watch it too for the first time. Just in years. thinking about that episode makes me break out into the meat sweats. <laughs> yeah. God, so we're enjoying it, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, so I'm excited. But we took a break, and I, I told her, I said, when season three gets close, we'll go back Try to season again. two of the boys because I've forgotten that first episode. Like Black Noir goes off. It's 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 brutal, and yeah. the CIA director's head blows up. I was like, I forgot that season two gets and rough. Yeah. So, the courtroom is brutal. Yeah, that's brutal. So I was yeah. like, we'll take a break. Let's go through some comedy. <laughs> but we're enjoying it. Uh, y'all need to add Big Bang to your 
to your list. I know. You She's will, told me that a hundred times. You will appreciate it. I know. A lot more than what you think. I know. All right, back to the news. With alternate Superman depictions and evil analogs running rampant, celebrated Superman writer Grant Morrison has offered an observation on the subversive trend. Morrison, who is teaming up with uh, Michael Jannon to launch Superman and the Authority, weighed in on decidedly more sinister portrayals of the Man of Steel, including alternate universe stories like Injustice. That would be awesome. Mm. Unsurprisingly, Morrison is relatively unimpressed with the more violent depiction of Superman currently prevalent in various multimedia, saying, I think the idea that Superman would react to the death of Lois Lane by becoming a tyrant is ridiculous. My mom and dad died, and I didn't become a tyrant. If I can handle it, Superman can handle it. I disagree. Interesting point fair point uh but you also don't have the ability to make people do whatever you want Mm -hmm. and to you don't have laser vision do anything that you want so you how can you say that you can handle it you know i didn't become a tyrant i mean that's easy to say as a mortal most people don't (laughs) i mean everyone's lost people they love and didn't become a tyrant as mortal men yeah he's also an alien who has different emotions, truthfully, than... And, I mean, that's a love that, you know, is is known throughout not just the Nerdiverse, but even if you aren't big into comic book culture, if you hear Superman, you know Lois Lane is his woman. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I completely respect Morrison as, as a creator of our comics. He's written and created some of the best storylines for comic book culture. But... <laughs> And I respect his opinion, but I'm kind of like, uh, it's easy for you to say, dude. I, I, I disagree. Because yeah. I think Injustice is a fantastic storyline. Plus, it's what, you know, makes the story interesting when things like that that are a little unexpected yeah. and, and everything happen. Agreed. So, just I agree. my two cents. During an interview with British GQ, Herman Hulst head of PlayStation Studios, was asked if he saw the recent increase in studio acquisitions from Microsoft, Facebook, and Sony as a bit of an arms race. Hulst rejected the idea, pointing to Sony's very specific choices when it comes to acquisitions. Our last new acquisition was back in 2019 with Insomniac for $229 million, which has worked out very well, Hulst said. I'm always looking for people that have similar creative ambitions and work very well with our team that we can further invest in and help grow as creators. It's not like we are going around and just making random acquisitions. This interview ironically comes at the same time a group of indie developers have taken to Twitter slandering PlayStation and Sony for its snubbing of indie developers. A group of indie publishers have begun speaking out this past week to express their frustrations with the console giant, pointing out issues like its lack of communication, frustrating bureaucracy, issues with discoverability, and severe limitations on when and how games can be put on sale. The conversation was kicked off by Neon Doctrine co-founder Ian Garner, who wrote a Twitter thread criticizing Platform X, which he said was a very successful console and does not have Game Pass. Garner's thread, which has been quote-tweeted by several indie publishers at the time of publication, affirming many of the issues he lists, criticizes the so-called Platform X's tools, communications, and non-support. 
Platform X that doesn't have Game Pass. <laughs> That's a Gee. nice, subtle way of saying what it. What is he talking about? <laughs> That's crazy, man. Like, First off, the whole arms race thing, I think it is getting to be that. Because like, all the companies are like, let's buy this and let's buy this so we can... I mean, heck, Microsoft bought Bethesda. So, like, will Bethesda be exclusive to Microsoft now? That that's crazy. Like you bought Bethesda. It does feel like an arms race. Mm, capitalism. I love it. Mmm. Smells like America. <laughs> <laughs> so and for that to happen at the same time that indie publishers are crucifying PlayStation, like dude, they're like buying up all these this arms race type acquisitions, but kind of snubbing the little guy. These indie publishers who. There are, there's a huge following oh, for yeah. indie games. Yeah, it's huge. I mean, mm-hmm. Fortnite started out as an indie game. This uh, was next door neighbor or secret neighbor or oh, whatever yeah, yeah. indie game. Mm-hmm. I mean, so if I were if I were PlayStation, I would uh, I'd be careful. Yeah, because I mean, the war is constantly going on the console war and and with was it Sony that has still is still having issues with having enough consoles in stores? Um, or is it both I of them? I think it's both of them. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. But I went to GameStop. Uh, David and I went to the mall one morning, like right at opening, and we went to GameStop to look at Pops, and there was a line out the door, and we just said, hey, what are you guys waiting in line for? And they said, oh, PlayStation. Gosh. Oh. That's crazy. Yeah. We're, so, but, but we're so used to like, oh, there'll be millions. Yeah. Anybody can get one. One day, there will be. Yeah, one day there will be. That's crazy, man. Yeah. Moving on. In the spirit of the massive 438-day production timeline of Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings trilogy, Amazon is taking its sweet time while filming its upcoming Middle-Earth TV series. After facing COVID delays 15 months ago, production is still underway for the first season of the streamer's Lord of the Rings series, which seemingly... There's no end in sight. Actor Benjamin Walker, most well-known for his lead performance in the stage musical Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson, gave a small update. It's a bit nebulous at this point, Walker told Collider in an interview. We've been here a long time, and they'll let us go when they're done with us. I like that he used the word nebulous. That's, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very impressed by that. I Walker approve. was also in, uh, did you see Abe Lincoln Vampire I Hunter? Did. He's in that, too. I can't remember who he played. I yeah, just know that he was in I, it. The, the book was a lot better than the movie. <laughs> As it usually is. Yeah, I, I feel like the people who made the movie didn't even read the book. As it usually is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the production on Amazon's Lord of the Rings series has been reported to be budgeted as high as $1 billion. A gargantuan investment that is believed to be unprecedented in the television industry. Although the series isn't set to premiere until sometime in 2022, Amazon has already ordered a renewal for a second season, as they should, because Lord of the Rings is awesome. Phenomenal. Incredible. I'm very excited. I'm, I'm, I'm it's very, quite nebulous, you might it's say. It's nebulous. I'm impatient, man. Since this was announced, I was like, God, just give it to me tomorrow. No. Uh, it's been too long since we've had some Lord of the Rings. Ugh. I know. So, The Elder Scrolls Six was first announced a little more than three years ago. 
but Bethesda has always been careful to moderate expectations about its release date. That continues to be the case, with series director Todd Howard telling The Telegraph that the next game in the series is still in the design phase. In an interview about Starfield, Howard talked about the need for greater game engines and the new creation engine for its next generation of games, including the massive game that will be Elder Scrolls VI. Bethesda has made it pretty clear that nothing will come out about Elder Scrolls VI until closer to Starfield's 2022 release date. So, my fellow Elder Scroll fans, as much as we've patiently been waiting and going back to the well with Skyrim time and time again, you must continue the patience. It'll be a while. Smallville alum Allison Mack, who played Chloe in the Superman-centric series, has been sentenced to three years in prison for her role in the NXIVM sex trafficking and forced labor cult. Mack was sentenced to 36 months on count one and 36 months on count two, and she'll also be responsible for $20,000 in fines and 1,000 hours of community service. She can afford it. She can afford it. But in my eyes, that's still getting off pretty easy. Yeah. Uh, so, you know when you're in the middle of watching a great show or movie on live TV and you have to cut away from the action to watch a good five to six minutes of commercials? You know how annoying that is, Juice? Yeah, I'm not a fan. Okay, well imagine that happening while you're playing video games <gasps> that you've paid 70 to $80 for. According to a recent report from Axios, a company called Player One, spelled W-O-N, has signed a deal with companies like EA to find a way to bring TV-style adverts to console gaming. The company has described itself as a first-of-its-kind in game advertising platform and have apparently been testing out their ad-based technology for over a year now. The company feels it's now ready to implement its vision in testing out their implement its vision in actual console games. The only upside to this news, in my opinion, is that the company promises it will not interrupt massive battles or action-packed sequences, but will be more like a commercial before the next cinematic or cutscene. That's booty, man. That's garbage. I mean, that's ridiculous they to think would, about. Surely there'd be a rebellion. There'd be a... Uh... I mean, imagine you're playing the next Elder Scrolls Six, and... It's getting to a cutscene, and you get five to six minutes of commercials about the next game coming out, or progressive, mm. or something like that. Flow, yeah, flow pops up on your Xbox because that's just the way where we're at now. That's insane. Yeah, if you've already paid the one-time fee to own the game, mm -hmm. your personal copy of the game, that's that should be it. I mean, if it's one of these online things, I guess that. It's a little more reasonable. I mean, it's a little more reasonable, you're still but spending still, money you've, on you've a bought it month to month basis. Like, order. I couldn't. I, I think actually, my Avengers copy is not physical; it's digital. Um, I couldn't tell you the last physical game I bought. I only do the physical copies. It's probably smart. Yeah, less lag because it's not online, mm -hmm. really. But. I couldn't imagine playing a game that I've bought and all of a no, sudden, sir. like, oh, hey, this is slow from Progressive. Just breaking you and you're the middle of Because there'll be, like, commercials geared towards the experience of they know this commercial's happening during a game, so they'll create commercials 
knowing that they're going to take place during a game. So they'll talk about interrupting your game. And that's like Super, Super Bowl ads. Worse. Super Bowl ads. They know they're interrupting the Super Bowl, so they mention the Super Bowl in the commercials. It's ridiculous. It's capitalism at its best. More ways to make revenue. You know my favorite Super Bowl commercial? What? When the dude, it's a car commercial, and the dude has a really long neck, and he goes, Ooh, baby, I want that car. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta find it. <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> oh. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> it's a legendary commercial. <laughs> Ooh, I want that car. <laughs> He looks like something out of Men in Black. Ooh, baby. <laughs> I can guarantee you, people listening to this aspect of the show are going to start remembering that commercial and they'll sing it the rest of the day. So you're welcome. Uh, yeah. You're welcome, listeners. Okay. I got to just sort of get myself together. Whew. <laughs> 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 that just struck me as so funny because you knew immediately what I was talking about. Yeah. You're on the same level. <laughs> well, I knew it wasn't going to be the Clint Eastwood commercial. <laughs> I did give him a standing ovation. I saw that first time. Lovecraft Country will not be returning for a second season at HBO Max. The series debuted its first and now only season in August of 2020. The move to not proceed with more of the series is not unexpected, as the show was based on the solo novel of the same name by Matt Ruff. HBO has made similar decisions with other series, such as Big Little Lies. That show only received a second season after the author of the book on which it was based, Leanne Moriarty, pinned an original material to serve as the basis for another season. Due to the fact that season one told the book's story, Lovecraft Country will not need a second in Warner Brothers' eyes. I like that. Uh, did you see that show? I loved it. I haven't seen it yet. So really I really enjoyed it. It even you know, made me go back and read the book. The dude playing the lead is Kang. He's going to be playing Kang. I'm yeah. excited. Uh, he'll do a fantastic job. You need to go watch it. You have um, HBO Max. Yeah, I love it. Um, I love HBO Max. I will put it on the list. Uh, it's uh, sure. it's fantastic, and I love that because like there was quick, one book. Quick watch through, though. It's a good watch through. It's a quick watch through. It's good. It's quality. Every episode is strong, and it ends and it's over. It's not you know, hey, even though like you see a lot today, like we saw it with Game of Thrones, we've seen it with Walking Dead, um, with you know, we've we've went past the source material, so let's just create. A lot of times that proves that the source material's a good thing to have. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited for the show that it was great, but I'm also happy that they're not just going to milk it. Mm. It was a quality season. It ended fantastically. We don't need a second. Kind of like, like Watchmen. Watchmen. Exactly. We don't Love need a second Watchmen. Watchmen. Um, I say that about Walking Dead. If you haven't watched, and I'm going to join, I'm piggybacking off of what Ken M says every week on his show, ODPH. If you haven't watched Fear of the Walking Dead, it's better now. It's better than The Walking Dead. If you've lost faith in The Walking Dead, Fear is so good. 
because they take the chances and they kill characters that you would think, holy crap, they killed the lead guy. Oh, okay. Like, they take those chances that had you on the edge of your seat early in The How Walking Dead. How many seasons is that? Six, seven. Wow. Seven now? So, so we're about to go into... And there is a lot of Walking yeah, Dead. And we got another spinoff, and then we were supposed to still have the Rick Grimes oh. movies. Oh, I'm drowning in <laughs> things on my list. I know. Fear the Walking Dead? You just made the list! The watch list of juice. <laughs> Moving on, ever since Galaxy Quest premiered in 1999, there's been talks of continuation of the sci-fi comedy. We've heard about sequels in both movie and television form, but to date, nothing has happened. Now, it looks as though there's a new take in the works. In an interview with screenwriter Georgia Pritchett, there is a brief mention that one of the projects she will be working on is a television version of the film, one that she will be working on with Simon Pegg, who is a huge nerd. Mm-hmm. Shaun of the Dead, he's in the Star Trek movies, he is Huey's dad in The Boys, he does all those movies with his buddy, with, uh, he's got, you know, Shaun of the Dead, End of the World, uh, Paul. Paul, and the one with Hot Fuzz. Mm-hmm. I, I trust, that I loved this movie, this movie was great. Sigourney Weaver, uh, Alan Rickman, Tim Allen, mm-hmm. quality cast, oh, yeah. funny movie, and it, and it was it's better at being Star Trek than most of the modern Star Trek we've gotten, to be honest. And I'm not even a Trekkie, so if I'm saying that, then modern Star Trek must suck. So I'm excited. Did you watch Galaxy Quest? I did. Cool. Many times, actually. I'm excited for it. I'm looking forward to it too. Now, if you were a fan of last year's Netflix graphic novel adaptation of The Old Guard, you'll likely be happy to learn that the script for the sequel is ready and the cameras will be cranking up next year. Though no specific plot details were offered, we can expect the further adventures of Theron's immortal warrior Andy and her fellow long-lived mercenary types as they deal with their new status in the world. Did you watch it? I started it and I did not finish it. It's good. It's pretty good. Wasn't I didn't it, read the novel. Wasn't it like uh, three hours? It was long. Oof, me and Mom watched it. That's tough for me. It was during the pandemic. It was good, though. I liked the take on it. Um, I need to go back and read the novel to see how good it really is. <laughs> but uh, I'm excited. I mean, Charlize seems timeless, man. Like, I don't feel like she has an age today. Yeah. And she's good in this role. I mean... Eon Flux might be her worst movie. <laughs> is she going to be doing anything else with the Mad Max franchise? I don't know. Um, what's the deal Are with they that? continuing it? I have no idea. I thought they were going to. I hope. I mean, I didn't hate the... I really liked it. I liked the new one. Yeah. But yeah, I'm excited. So, bad news for Chris Pratt's recent film, The Tomorrow War. IGN's 3 out of 10 review hit the web this past week stating this... The Tomorrow War is astonishingly bad. It's got a confusing plot, an emotionally shallow hero arc, and monsters more messy than menacing. It's astonishing that Batman Lego director followed that vibrant, funny, and wildly entertaining offering with an action movie that is such an insane, inane eyesore. Yeesh. And this is the guy who's supposed to be doing Nightwing. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Chris Pratt. He's probably like, I'm Star-Lord. I kind of want to watch it now. Oh, I know. I've got Prime. I don't care. I'm <laughs> like, if, if it's that bad that IGN hates it, i got to see it can't now. can't be any worse than Zombievers. 
Didn't you finally watch it? No, sir. Oh, I could never find it. Oh. I'll look again. We should maybe that's, that's a watch along. We should throw that one on the list for Halloween. That's a watch along. <laughs> All right, moving on. Jesse L. Martin, Danielle Panabaker, and Candace Patton ink new deals to return for Flash season eight. The trio joins star Grant Gustin, whose current contract already goes through the eighth season. The network has not indicated whether season eight will be the Flash's final chapter, but with Tom Cavanaugh and Carlos Valdez gone. It will be interesting to see what is left to tell in the story of DC's Fastest Man Alive. Mm. And, of course, speaking of DC, Richard Donner, uh, director of Superman, Lethal Weapon, Scrooge, The Goonies, and much more, has passed away today, July 5th, at the age of 91. No details have been released uh, of the cause, but our thoughts go out to his family and friends mm. and his fans. I know when you text me, uh, you said Superman director Richard Donner. And I was like, I know that name from other things. Mm -hmm. And I looked him up on IMDb. I was like, oh my God, mm -hmm. Lethal Weapon, the Goonies? I, I mean, Lethal Weapon was like, as a family, we loved the Lethal Weapon franchise. Not the show they tried to do. But the movies, like Mel Gibson and Daniel and Danny Glover, their chemistry. And those were like my mom's go-to for like when we just it was a rainy day we just wanted to watch lethal weapon was like a go-to for us yeah and that first superman movie and the, and the, yeah and the goonies and too the goonies yeah, man scrooged even too uh and his production company or something he had a hand in the uh the x-men movies as well yes through his so, production company yeah that's sad it's very sad but 91 man I rest mean, in power richard donner 91's a a good age to go. Mm -hmm. you've, you've seen a nice long life, and he's had a successful life. And I mean, almost a hundred. I mean, what Betty White's almost a hundred now, right? Very close. Imagine how a hundred years, what you've seen. That's insane. And all the people that you have touched and inspired yes. and entertained and 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 all that throughout the years. It's just like wow. It's insane. What so thank thing. you, Richard Donner, for the amazing movies and television that you gave us yeah so definitely rest in power that is the end of your nerdly news we're going to step away for a quick break when we get back it's all about our favorite god of mischief when more 30 and nerdy returns tennessee legend distillery was founded in 2015 and has quickly become one of the top distilleries for natural extracts and ingredients in its spirits. With no high fructose corn syrup, artificial sweeteners, or harmful ingredients, Tennessee Legend Distillery has four locations in the state of Tennessee. Without Newport, Sevierville, Cookville, and Nashville distilleries. You see, at Tennessee Legend Distillery, we have spent more time focused on the quality of our spirits than the number of our stores. We have a great selection of non-flavored spirits as well, like vodka, bourbon, whiskey, and gin. Tennessee Legend Distillery has multiple awards and medals for state, national, and international spirit contests, and even carries 2019's Best Tasting Whiskey in the state of Tennessee with our Salted Caramel 60 Proof Whiskey. We offer discounts for veterans, active military, nurses, police officers, firefighters, first responders, and even multiple bottle discounts. Don't live in Tennessee? We ship to select states. 
Go to GACraftSpirits.com to see if we deliver to you. That's G-A-C-R-A-F-T-S-P-I-R-I-T-S dot com. If you stop by the Sevierville location, tell them 30 and Nerdy Podcast sent you and be a legend with Tennessee Legend Distillery by receiving a free shot glass and 15% off of your order. What are you waiting for? Cheers to you. Welcome back, nerds. We are talking about episode four of Loki. We are almost to the end. Two more episodes left and left this episode feeling a little different than the last time. Yeah. The last time was a lot of exposition and talking and walking, and this one was nonstop what? People have been waiting for something to happen. Wait wait no longer. You just had to ask for it. A yeah. lot happened in this one. Yeah, I'm, sh- I'm shook. I, w- I, it took, I was reeling for about three days I, I just I told Brian at work when we talked about it I was just like I don't I don't know how to feel like I rewatched it today and I'm yeah oh my god like things we didn't expect For happened as sure. so and this so is sudden. weird this is weird to say in a, a six episode arc but so soon you know two episodes left things happened so soon quote unquote uh, so let's talk about it yeah well, we have confirmation, like you and I have spoken about. Oh, is Sylvie really a Loki? I don't know. Well, she is a Loki. Yes. According to the MCU, this character is for sure confirmed a Loki because we see her as a young uh, young girl in Asgard, mm-hmm. and um, I felt a little something with the opening shot, like the camera zooming over Asgard. I was like, oh, hey, I squeezed this is Maddie's hand and I went. Asgard. Yep. And uh, young Sylvie there, the time with toys. the TVA come after her, we don't know why, Mm-mm. but the clever little girl that she is, she gets away. She does get away, and uh, this is moving forward a little bit. She doesn't know what made her a variant. Right. She tries to ask Rottweiler, what's Ravon- her name? Ravonna. Renslayer. Rottweiler. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Renslayer. <laughs> Uh, what made me a variant? What was so different that ruined the timeline? I don't even, I don't remember. even remember. Bull crap. She knows. Mm. She knows. And you know what my theory is? She was happy. And Loki's aren't Loki's supposed aren't to be happy. Loki's aren't supposed to be happy. She was and happy in that win. moment. She was playing with toys. One being an actual D&D toy. So, did Asgardians play D&D? What's also interesting is, like, the Sylvie we know is obviously an adult. Like, how long have they been chasing her? And time moves different in the TVA, and she's spent so many times hiding in apocalypses. And she, She's grown up at the ends of a thousand worlds. That's crazy. Such a poetic line. That is. That was great. That is. And uh, that was such a, a gripping beginning, because... It did say, hey, she is Loki. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I, but it also like she was just a freaking kid. Yeah, man. And also because we got to see uh, Ravona. How do you say it? Ramona? Ravona? 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 Renslayer? I, yeah. All I know is it's Renslayer. Uh, the judge lady. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, she goes and reports to the timekeepers, and we see that great ominous shot of the of the timekeepers sitting mm-hmm. up there, uh, and that kind of gave me some, mm-hmm. you know, some excitement. Yes. Um, they so we've sort of confirmed a couple things through some research this week, like we've talked about this idea that Sylvia is the enchantress. Yes. And. I had no idea that as of 2009, there is a second Enchantress. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this information is out there, people. So, heads up. Spoilers if you haven't seen Loki, obviously. Whatever. But there is a second Enchantress, and her name is Sylvie. So, we know pretty much, even though it's not been confirmed in the show, that the Sylvie-Loki variant is the Enchantress. And becomes. And there was this line, uh, uh, Ravona says that she enchanted C20. Mm-hmm. So that was probably they drop, they, on I mean, purpose. they dropped the term. Yeah. Which this could easily be her origin. She'd be like, stop calling me Loki. Mm-hmm. You talk about me enchanting people? I'm the enchantress. Exactly. So I would imagine that's what it's going to end with, is we've got a new enchantress. Anything can happen, dude. I'm expecting there to be some twists and turns, like... I hope. I don't know what, but I think there's going to be some wild stuff happen. There's going to be some things that are probably going to make <laughs> mainstreamers go, what? And I was talking to you off air, and, you know, I think this is a great idea, but if what if they secretly, I love a good secret, I love a yeah. good surprise, yeah. you know, if they just, this Wednesday, went ahead and dropped both of the remaining Loki mm. episodes... And at the end of the finale, there's some sort of little cliffhanger that is answered in Black Widow, which yeah. conveniently is being released the next day or this yeah. weekend. Well, I gotta go see I mean, Black Widow to figure out what happens with Loki or if we were in charge, it's what we do. <laughs> so you know, like, what's it gonna hurt them to release that finale just a little bit early before and shake things up? Their movie comes out shakes a lot up if they did you it. No, I think it's a great idea. I do too. So Kevin, <laughs> Kevin, you heard, do it, Mr. Feige. You're doing the Lord's work, but we're offering help and guidance yeah. here at Thirty and Nerdy. That's just the way that that's the right thing to do. I mean, we don't mean to brag, but you know, good ideas are the only kind we have. Exactly. So kind of like in Lego Batman when he pulls out that these are all the awesome ideas I've had. <laughs> By the way, have you ever watched the uh, Lego Builders like with Will Arnett as the yeah. host? Yes. Season two started a little bit ago. I haven't watched any season two Becky yet. Becky and I are watching it. It's pretty good. Cool. But anyway. So, I mean, I think that... I mean, let's just... Let's, I don't want to get too far ahead. Like, I, I want to get... I, I'm already, like, wanting to... So, so what do you have next? <laughs> okay. We had the great moment where Loki was put in his own personal little hell. He was in the time cell. And mm-hmm. Sif is coming in the loop. You're a worm and you're whatever. You yeah, did this. You'll always be alone. Gives him the knee, punches him in the face over and over again. Which, when we talked Loki before the series started, you talked about a story where yep. he cut Sif's this, hair. This is straight out of the Norse mythology. Yeah. Loki cuts Sif's hair. Yeah. 
And so he's in, stuck in this time loop where he keeps getting hit in the groin and punched in the face. <laughs> and then he tries to reason with her and like she's like, I know I'm a terrible person. I'm a narcissist. I crave attention. Blah, blah, blah. And isn't that the time where she doesn't hit him? She just like does the mic drop on him? Yeah. Like, yeah, you're always going to be alone. You will always He's be alone. He's a trash. And it's like, oh, that hurt him worse than all <laughs> the punches. Hit me in the groin all you want. Don't say these mean words. And uh, so we start to get the idea after seeing Loki and um, Sylvie at the apocalypse on what's the name of that planet? Less. Lamentis. 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 Yeah. Lamentis 1. So we get the idea on Lamentis. We see Loki and Sylvie. They're like enjoying their final moments here together. And they have this connection. Which I guess is the cause of the big Nexus branch thing going off, right? So it's like, oh, that's where they are. And they're saved. They have that great... If you've listened to Johnny Has the Keys recently. When they did uh, Avengers Infinity War. And yeah. It was, I really enjoyed it. The great episode wasn't it? Was, it? I really, really did enjoy. Actually, I sent David a message telling him, um, but he kept ta- using this term "Deus ex machina." Yeah. right. It's a, a Greek term from when the Greek playwrights would put their characters into this unwinnable situation. How do you write yourself out? Well, a god's gonna fly in and fix it for you. Like in Endgame, Captain Marvel shows up and saves Tony when all is lost. Yeah. And also at the end of the movie, too. So that moment sort of happens here. Boom, the doors pop up at the last second. Mm -hmm. They escape. um, And Owen Wilson has this great scene with Loki. He's like, oh, yeah, we killed killed the variant. Oh, well, good, great. He's like, oh, you like her. You fell in love with yourself. You are such a narcissist. narcissist." And uh, the web had some pretty uh, different reactions to that there was some hate for that like ooh, you had you had loki falling in love with himself but he would he would and it's not really himself yeah it, so to speak i mean it's it's not it ain't real life people it's not again, again comics you know it, it's fictional characters um also maybe it's just because i haven't been thinking about it but has owen wilson had a single wow he won't Really? Feige said he will not say wow <gasps> on this show. What? Because he knows that's what he's known for. That people will be waiting for it. So Owen Wilson will not say wow. I wonder how Owen feels about that. Because <laughs> he sort of likes that. He's made millions off of wow. When I teach uh, signature gesture in my in my theater class, <laughs> I say, all right, signature gesture, it's, it's something that a character is known for saying or doing or whatever. And I show him a minute-long clip of just Owen Wilson doing nothing but wow, 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 wow. So they never forget what that means. So um, the fun little fact about this, Owen Wilson has made around $217,838,000 from his movies. He averages around 3,500 words per movie in 47 movies. That's about $1,324 per word. Wow was 102 of those words. Owen Wilson has made roughly $135,072 from saying wow. And the two of us are just sitting here in my basement doing a podcast. Exactly. Come on. What? What? I mean, what I mean, are we doing? We can with say wow. I can say wow. I can say wow to the cows come home. I, wow. <laughs> 
I can say it in many different ways. Wow. Whoa. Wow. <laughs> wow. I mean, it's crazy. And we're not going to get it in this show. We will uh, accept checks uh, made out of 30 and 30 podcasts. <laughs> Thank you. Wow. This, <laughs> the, the construction of the 30 and 30 studio has been brought to you by Owen Wilson's Wow. wow. <laughs> but yeah, I thought of that. Like, that would have been the moment right there. Oh, wow. You fell in love yeah. with yourself, right? <laughs> Never says it. Mm, I can't believe it. So, but yeah, soon after that, Mobius sort of learns the truth about, Mm -hmm. oh, the variants are actually people, and they have lives, and they have history, and, you know, she asks him that question, if you could go anywhere in the timeline, where would you go, what would you do? And he doesn't answer, he's like, oh, I'd rather be here doing this work with you. And then Mm -hmm. when he gets confronted, he's like, you know what, you know where I'd rather be, wherever it is that I'm from. And then just like that, Freaking deletes him. He's done. Pruned him. Just oh, like that. Oh gosh, I would. I mean, me and Maddie's jaws dropped. But I, I was not. And and another thing that I have yet to talk about that every time we talk about Loki, I, I before we're about to talk about it, I I go in thinking I want to mention this. Okay. But I've yet to mention it. What shape does Tony Stark say? Try the time machine in a Mobius loop. And that's how he figures out time travel. And Owen Wilson's character's name is Mobius M. Mobius. And it happens to be the shape that Tony Stark figures out time travel in Endgame. He says, oh, you know, I'm just, just, just brainstorming this Friday. Turn it into a Mobius loop. And his name's Mobius. Interesting. It's very interesting. And he could be from anywhere on the timeline. He could, could be. be from way, way in the past. He could he be could from be. in the future. I'm wondering if maybe one day in a future movie... We'll meet a different... It's like, oh, hey, we're going to go in here and meet this guy, right? And they open the door, and it's Owen Wilson. And we're like, oh, it's Mobius! <laughs> He's back! I want to know why his hair is white or gray or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I want to know his obsession with jet skis. Maybe, Maybe he, he was, was Jeff salesman. Bezos in, a, in another <laughs> one. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see that there's a, a a petition to not allow Bezos back into Earth whenever he goes and visits Mars? It's <laughs> a huge signatures, man. He's got prime delivery. We can send him anything he needs. <laughs> yeah. There's this massive petition saying don't let Jeff Bezos back on Earth after he leaves. Funny. <laughs> it's hilarious. So yeah, the printing of Mobius was was jaw dropping to say the least, yeah. and sad because he had he had like realized yeah, and and he and Loki like I think genuinely had become friends. Yeah, Loki was very uh, affected by. He even says, "How about the words of a friend?" Yeah, can and you... he even so what was it? he said like you know you don't have to be bad. You can you can yeah. do things differently. You can do your own thing. You can or be a good person. Yeah, in case anyone hasn't told you that. And I think he was going to do it. Yeah. But Loki, I don't know, he is a trickster. He is. What if he's, I don't know, you can't trust him. He can't. But But I don't think he's a villain. You could see that he was very, uh, um, he had a strong reaction to to Mobius' pruning. It was, because then Sylvie, they bring Sylvie out and she says, are you okay? And he just kind of nods, no, I'm not. And that's just like, he has been his only friend. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, him and Sylvie really just made friends at the beginning of this episode, holding hands. 
before they were rescued. But, I mean, he... Because the last thing that we saw of Loki is he was in chains being taken to Asgard for doing something terrible in New York. Right. So he... This was his first friend. Like, he didn't think Thor was a friend, right. obviously. So this may be the first time where he's truly like, I've, I've made a friend. So I, that's, that really adds to that. That sucks. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, but, you know, it's not over. It's Maybe not. Perhaps Two left. all of the people who get pruned go to this Purgatory. island of misfit Lokis. Or whatever they are. Whatever is going on. So there. maybe there's an entire land of misfit Mobiuses where Owen Wilson will meet, uh, you know, his character from Night at the Museum, uh, Lightning McQueen, uh, his character out. from Zoom, Zoolander, his character from Wedding Crashers. They're all just, he gets up and he's just like, am I in hell? And they're like, wow, no. <laughs> but you, am I, you're going to be dead if you don't follow us, man. It's going to be crazy. Wow. This alligator's going to eat you. <laughs> but what, we're, we're mentioning purgatory type world because we get to a point where we, we see the time lords, time keepers. Yeah. I don't want to say time lords because that's a Doctor Who thing. I keep calling them time lords yeah. too and my notes yeah. have to go back I mean, to Loki has done a better version of American Doctor Who than anything else that's tried to. The time keepers looked really cool. They looked scary. Loved it. Insane. They looked like Their voices something were you'd silly. see in a video game. Yeah. Like the final, like the cinematics of a video game. Explain yourself. One, one looks like a, like a, walrus. A, a mixture of a walrus and like a Mon Calamar from, <laughs> from Star yeah. Wars. I was expecting them to go, it's kind of a shame that they were robots. They though, were robots. We found that out. The um, C-15, is that the hunter that she also learns the truth? Uh, she pops yeah, in. Yeah, I think so. She pops in and helps him out. Mm-hmm. Uh, fights off some of her fr- former friends. Throws the thing to the sword to Sylvie and Loki and helps them. And we did not see her get deleted, so I would imagine she's not dead. She'll pop back mm-hmm. up in five and six probably. Um, so this is epic fight in what I would call the Timekeeper's throne room. The chamber. The chamber of the Timekeepers. Uh, which has been at the TVA this entire time behind a gold elevator. Uh, very video game. Like, you can't go to the gold elevator yeah. until you found the key <laughs> type thing. But they were really cool. But at the same time, I did feel a little let down by this meeting. I mean, I know that an epic fight happens and what we're about to talk about happens, but I just felt like... You know, ahead of one of them gets cut off, and we find out they've just been because it was so quick. Do you mean it's so quick? Yeah, I, I kind of wanted felt a little like, more of the know, time. Wars, maybe we'll we'll end the episode in the chamber, and five will take place in the chamber. Mm-hmm. I did not foresee what happens at the end of four. So, do you think that these robots were specifically designed to play the roles of the timekeepers, or do you think the timekeepers really did exist, and these are meant to replicate them? I think my theory is they are a ruse. Like uh, the Wizard of Oz. Yes. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Yes. I think the man behind the curtain, or woman behind the curtain, um, 
it, it, it created these three scary things to be a ruse, very much like Wizard of Oz. And I think the person pulling the strings may get found in five or six, and maybe not. I mean, I don't know, but I do, I, I do think that maybe the timekeepers were a thing, like the Council of Kangs, possibly, at one point. If it is Kang, it would make perfect sense to see him there because he would he's a person from the timeline too, right? Yeah, so he's, he's the great, great We're whatever. supposed to meet him in the next Ant-Man movie, but yes. it's possible that... They could know, spin us and show him here. Yeah. I mean, he is the great, great however removed grandson of Reed Richards uh-huh. so uh, there's that connection first of all to the Fantastic Four but they could swerve us and maybe bring him in in five or six of this series uh, and just say like oh we said you were going to get a lot of Kang and Ant-Man but we didn't say he wasn't going to be seen in Loki and we weren't about to tell you that because I mean and what about this theory that the TVA is in the quantum realm. Because you remember in Ant-Man, he's shrinking down mm-hmm. in the quantum realm to, and he ends up finding Wasp, the original Wasp. Mm-hmm. There's a city in the background. If you go back and watch oh. Ant-Man, as he's shrinking down, you see a city in the background in the quantum realm that looks very much like when you look outside when Owen shows Loki the TVA. It looks very similar in shape to the TVA. So there's this new theory that the TVA is in the quantum so realm. So rather than going through the, like the little tunnels and stuff like they did yeah. in Endgame, they've just got the technology to yeah. make the little doors. The little doors. And plus, the bombs that they use, that they detonate to, I just realized this, to delete or reset a timeline, mm-hmm. look very similar to the thing that Pym built for him to, for Ant-Man to kind of, it's a canister looking thing, and it looks just like the bombs the TVA okay. used. Because he goes watch. in and he unlatches this canister and pulls in quantum materials. Okay. And then he locks it. And that's when he's like, all right, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to come back. You can, and that's when they disappear. It's at the end of Ant-Man 2. Remember that post-credit yeah, scene? Yeah, yeah, He's like pulling in quantum material and then locks it. And it looks very similar to the bombs that the TVA actually used. Okay. And... The, it's possible the TVA is in the quantum realm, which is why time moves so differently. Just like Pen- Lang says in Endgame, for me it was five. For you all, it was five years. For me, it was more like five minutes or five hours. Plot twist: Owen Wilson is Mephisto. <laughs> it was Owen Wilson the whole time. Owen, Owen Wilson is Agatha. Along. That's it. <laughs> so. Uh, we, we see the pruning, we see the throne room, they've decapitated one of them, and before she decapitates the center timekeeper, he says, Sylvie, think about this. We can talk. Mm-hmm. We can work you're, something you're out. You're a child of the timekeepers yeah. as well. You can. We can work something out. And she decapitates, and they find out they're these freaking androids. And Loki's trying to tell her something. He like holds her hands, and he's like, Sylvie, I know what caused the um, the spike, how they found us. I know what caused the spike in the timeline. And this is new for me. And as he's about to, what we guess, profess his love mm-hmm. for Sylvie, bam. Yeah, tragic. He's pruned in a very slow, emotional fashion by Renslayer. Mm-hmm. Another jaw-dropping moment. 
So in this episode, we have seemingly seen the death of of Mobius and Loki. Right. In this episode. Which just... Wow. And, of course, Sylvie gets pissed off, fights Renslayer, and at the end of the episode, she says, just kill me. And Sylvie's like, no. You're gonna tell, you're gonna me, tell everything. me everything. Everything. So hopefully we get the answers. But we get a post-credit scene, the first one of this series. Mm-hmm. And it's Loki in this world. Post-apocalyptic this, New York? Yes, post-apocalyptic New York. And he says, am I in hell? And the fun, th- funny thing is, is if you have the captions on, like we do, hell is spelled H-E-L. So he's not even referring to the Christian hell, he's referring to As Norse Marian, hell, yeah, H-E-L. And a voice from off-camera says, no, am I, is this hell, am I dead? No, but you will be. Unless you come with us. And there's this callback to Avengers 1 where he's laying down looking up at the Avengers. But instead of the Avengers, it's what's known as classic Loki. On the one on the far right. Yes, who's comic book Loki, dressed up like the classic comic book Loki, played by a, a very prominent... He uh, was in, uh, in Star Wars, right? Yeah, he was in Star Wars. Uh, Rises of Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker. Uh, he's been a villain in pretty much everything he plays. Except he was a good guy in Spice World in the 90s, if you remember that movie. (laughs) Uh, Boastful Loki, who's wielding a type of Mjolnir. Mm -hmm. And Kid Loki, who we've been mentioning, when will we see Kid Loki, who is holding Gator Loki. Didn't know about that one. Which is interesting. (laughs) And that he says, unless you come with us. And then the cutscene ends. So season two is going to be uh, maybe all the Lokis? Maybe Unless this is... five and six is... Well, it could be that that's all we see of Tom Hiddleston Loki this season. It could and be. This sets up for season two. Yeah. To follow his story. And the only and thing we see in five and six is we Sylvie. We get Sylvie stuff. But we still need to see from the trailer pres- the President Loki like running for... Oh, yeah. So I'm guessing this happens in this apocalyptic world. The whole running for president type Mm. thing. I guess we'll see. Which is interesting. I still wish they would drop them both at once. Yeah. That would be awesome. So what were your your thoughts before we go into some interesting theories that I've seen posted? Uh, Overall, for me, it was like the most exciting episode. It it made me feel the same way that WandaVision did, Mm -hmm. mostly on a week-to-week basis. Like, what's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? And that was sort of missing for the first couple episodes. Uh, But if this didn't hook you, I don't know what what will. So, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to the remaining episodes. Me too. And uh, so, uh, I am very prominent on TikTok, like, as 30 and 30 podcast, following people, watching stuff, and all that, and a lot of theories have popped up, and I wrote some of them down that I wanted to run, run across you. So, this first one, Classic Loki, Boastful Loki, Kid Loki, and Gator Loki are seen in the ruins of New York City. Mm-hmm. But the ruins show a version of Stark Tower that was not in 2012's Avengers. It was a newer version of Stark Tower that we didn't see again until Age of Ultron. Because it was a different type of helipad. Okay, I didn't, even, I didn't notice Stark Tower. Yes, it's in the background back over Classic Loki's shoulder. Because I was going to say, like, maybe this is some sort of a timeline where Loki was successful in the Battle of New York with the Jatari and all that stuff. Yeah. So, this has sparked a theory that 
This leads. This has led to some theories that think that the ruins of New York City is actually post-Infinity War New York City. Oh, okay. This is believed to be an exiled timeline where banished Lokis are sent. So there's a chance that we'll see more variant Lokis, <laughs> aside from the ones that we've already seen in this cutscene. All right. And there's also a belief that this President Loki isn't the Loki we've been following. He's another different Loki. So it'll be interesting to see, if we do see other variants of Lokis, how many of them are Tom Hiddleston Lokis. Right. And how many of them aren't. This would be a cool way to see his acting jobs kind of play out. So the next theory is Miss Minutes actually running the TVA. I've seen this one. Is she actually a hologram or program ran by spells or possibly a technology from Tony Stark? The Ancient One even says that spells are caused by drawing power from the multiverse. So is she actually more than just an annoying clock mascot? We haven't seen much of her lately, and I think she will come back yes. in some form or fashion. She she has some other role to play. I think may, so. May not be a big one, but I think she'll be back. Yeah. So maybe. Um, every single episode of Loki is based on an Infinity Stone. Okay. Six episodes, six stones. Gotcha. Each episode is colored to a specific stone. Episode one, a lot of orange was used. We find out Loki has a soul. Episode 2, a lot of red was used. Loki begins to question reality. Episode 3, purple is a prominent color. We witness Loki and Sylvie's powers on display, and they are looking for a power source. Episode 4, yellow and gold are prominent colors. Everyone's minds are changed about the TVA. Now, obviously, we haven't seen episode 5 and 6. That's to be determined. But if this theory holds out, they're hinting towards Infinity Stones. Kind of like we were... People thought that about WandaVision yeah. too. Yeah. So the last one I found was Renslayer's Hunter Code in the flashback is A23, referencing Avengers mm-hmm. number 23, where she makes her first appearance alongside Kang, who professes his love for her. And she says no, and he gets pissed and begins attacking timelines. Destroys her world and her timeline oh. and begins his whole quest of conquering timelines could this be deliberate or an easter egg has Kang killed the timekeepers and is really running the show is he actually wanting the timelines wiped so he can be dominant over one pure timeline is that the whole motive is that why like oh no we can't allow these timelines to go because he wants one timeline that he is the sole leader of. he's a time Nazi exactly Interesting. They're very interesting theories. I was really interested to watch the detail that the one girl who s- talked about the Infinity Stones, she had all these clips and like the coloring of episodes. I was like, dang, you took a lot of time out of your day. Really <laughs> uh, strong argument for that. It is. I think it's probably reaching a little bit, but, uh, you know. You know, I, 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 I applaud people who take these theories and and create videos to support them and, mm-hmm. and put it out there and like really educated debates you know like not just like oh Mephisto's in Loki because in episode one we see a shan- uh, a, a colorful picture of a, the devil that a girl points out that's so simple and stupid and obviously ridiculous 
but some of these theories, like watching them explain, like hats off to you, because uh, if I were to say a theory that Owen Wilson is Mephisto, <laughs> you know, for shits and gigs, um, I wouldn't know where to start to to prove it to prove it and make yeah. a video and I don't have time first of all to try to prove a theory people go deep they do man I tried to pause it when she was putting the sword on the she's like oh your trophy yeah. plays oh you're running to out see of room other trophies. I couldn't figure out the significance of any of those things yeah uh, there was like a, a, a one skate like an ice skating mm-hmm. shoe uh, oh, well, I mean, come on. The ice skating shoe, that's a reference to X-Men 2 when Bobby takes Kitty Pride to ice skate, obviously. Well, you're or, wrong because <laughs> that's X-Men 3. 3, sorry. <laughs> I mean, obviously, that's the reference. So. Um, the one thing that did stick out to me if we're talking about Easter eggs is three episodes now, Owen Wilson has been obsessed with this pen. He asks about the pen... He uses the pen, and then in this episode, he used the pen again, and he just stares at it for a second. Could have been his pen as a variant. I feel like three episodes now, they've had Owen Wilson with his freaking pen, and now it's got me thinking, like, is that his pen? Greatest mystery of all, though. Who was Casey? Uh Uh-huh. Casey, we got to see our boy Casey. If that's not an answer we get by episode six, a failure upon this show. An angry letter will be written. (laughs) So, my final thoughts, man. Oh, I mean, this, this episode just had me pissed off that I had to wait another week. Yeah. But it had me reeling. It had me shook emotionally. I mean, we sat there after that cutscene, just paused, just watching the rest of the credits, just like, uh... Yeah, we'll have to include a little Loki talk on our... <laughs> in the car episode that yes. we record later this week yes we absolutely will i'm very excited um again if you hadn't seen it and this spoils it you've had some time so uh we will be talking about episode five in the next episode so make sure you watch it when it comes out or at least within the 72 hours that we that most good nerds are not talking about it so we are going to step away take a quick break and when we get back we are celebrating the 10th anniversary of the movie Captain America, the first Avenger. Hi, I'm Cody. And I'm Christian. And we're Nerds with Friends. Not just two nerds who have some friends. No, we're your hosts for the podcast, Nerds with Friends. We cover any topic that people can nerd out over, from TV, movies, and comics, to conventions, tabletop RPGs, and much more. Nerds with Friends comes out every Tuesday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. And of course, on our website, NerdsWithFriendsPodcast.com. Join us every week as we confess our nerdy confessions and talk about the latest in nerdy news. And remember, you're not alone. You're with friends. This is Nerds with Friends. Thank you for listening. Now back to the show. Welcome back, nerds and nerdettes. We are celebrating 10 years of Captain America the First Avenger. It dropped 10 years ago. Mm. And when I think 4th of July, I, as a nerd, of course I think about Lady Liberty and everything that she stands for that I firmly believe in. 
uh, the things that make this country great. But I always go to what I think, even though we're not huge fans of the Boy Scouts as characters in nerd culture, Captain America is the embodiment of what America should be. Absolutely. In nerd culture. Yeah. Superman in DC, Captain America in Marvel. And Captain America really, for me, more than Superman. Because he's inclusive. He's about the good parts of America. you know. And I think that... I actually, and again, before we get into the conversation, I don't want to get too political, I don't want to get your our blood pressures going, but I actually, at work this past week, we get from time to time a specific uh, genre of people. Sure. And <clears throat> this guy had a custom shirt made with 45's head. On Captain America's body. Yeesh. And I had to refrain myself from saying, in no world would Captain America support a person such as that. If you were truly a Captain America fan, you would never do something like that. Or even believe that. So, Captain America is what I think America should be. He is the embodiment of good. Justice. Stand up for the little guy. Yes, stand up for the little guy. When someone tells you to move, you plant yourself like a tree in the garden of truth, in the river of truth, and you say no, you move. So we're talking Captain America and celebrating the 10-year anniversary of the first Captain America film, which if you watch it chronologically as the timeline, it will be the first movie you watch. Right, right. Even though it was the fifth movie we got? Sixth? Oh, uh, no. It was way sooner than that, wasn't it? Was Iron, Iron Man, Hulk, Hulk, Cap. Was it Iron Man, Hulk, Cap before Thor? I think so, well... Because... You may be right. You no. Be right. Iron Man. Because in Iron Man 2, he leaves... Tony says something's going on in Mexico. And I have to check out. And it's I mean, the hammer has yeah. landed. So that's Thor. So, Lord... It was very early on. It was pretty early in phase one. But if you watch it chronologically, which I think I'd like to try to do. That's what I'm doing. Is that what you're doing? I'm doing that with Becky, and it's a very slow process. She's not as into this But is it interesting to watch it this way now? Yeah. Is it cool? Yeah, I'm enjoying it. Like, we've already done Captain Marvel because we're doing it this way, which Becky hadn't seen. She saw a lot of the early ones. Um so that's another reason why it's a slow process. She's like, well, I've seen these. It's like, well, you got to be refreshed. Yeah. And she loved Captain Marvel, and she hadn't seen it. So it's a nice new perspective. And for me, knowing the movies in the order that they released, it's interesting to see how things tie, like following the journey of this Infinity Stone through this you know, yeah. timeline or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk, Cap. You've got some notes and stuff like that. Well, I do. Uh, this uh, great movie was released on July twenty second, two thousand eleven. So we, like you said, we are coming up on the ten year anniversary. Yes. It's wild and crazy to think about. Uh, did you see this one in the theaters? I did. I did as well. I saw it in the theaters, and I, I was hesitant to, you know, because we had already started this MCU journey by the time this movie came out, and I was hooked, but. Admittedly so, we've talked multiple times that when it came to like 
what they were f basing the MCU about, us personally, they were not our go-to reads. We were X-Men fans. Yeah. yeah. We weren't reading... The Avengers were technically the B-team of Marvel comic sales. Because X-Men was through the roof. Right. Spider-Man was through the roof. So, if you look at the comic sales, this team that's known as the Avengers, the characters they were putting together to make the Avengers, we would have considered the B-team. Because we didn't read them. And at the time, they probably were considered the B-team. Iron Man, Thor, Captain America. Even though Captain America was huge, you know, as a, an American staple, and he had the shield and the star and the star-spangled banner. It was just... I didn't read a lot of them yeah. at the time. I've gone back and read a lot since the MCU began. So I was hesitant to continue the journey watching them in the theaters because I wasn't a Cap fan. Right, I wasn't same. a Thor fan. And that Hulk movie disappointed me yet again. It was better than the first one. But it's still, it's like, ugh. It was slow. It was yeah, slow. I just recently rewatched that one after... Years. And I mean, Norton's performance was good, and Roth's performance was good. I just, I don't know. It was I mean, slow. so it, yeah, it, early MCU, it it took me some some time to to get on board with. I have to see every movie opening night when it comes out. This has to be a thing. Yeah, this one was not a like an opening night type deal, but uh, I did definitely go see it. Um, I was late seeing Iron Man, so I was kind of late to the party. Well, we weren't going together yet back then. No. I did see Iron Man in the theaters, but it was like a couple months later. Like it was really? at the end of the yeah. So I was trying to stay caught up. I saw this one with uh, uh, with my ex girlfriend, who we refer to as she oh. you she she, she must, not, must be named not be named or something like that. Uh, but uh, yeah, ten years ago, and I, I like you, Captain America boring to me Boys you know help. i've learned to appreciate him a little bit more now mm -hmm. um and especially because of the mcu but yeah i just was not one of those captain america yeah you know yeah so uh but yeah it was directed by joe johnson and the budget was between 140 million and 216.7 million and at the box office it brought in 370.6 million which sounds sort of like Unimpressive by <laughs> MCU standards, really. You know. Yeah. Um, funny enough, uh, Chris Evans, his salary was only three hundred thousand dollars for this movie. That's it. Wow. Three hundred thousand dollars. Now, I think by the time we get to Age of Ultron, it was up to like over six million. Do you, you know, know who two of the finalists were before him to be Captain America? Mm -hmm. Sebastian Stan was one. Uh, yeah, okay. And John Krasinski. Yes, I did know that. But they were like best friends mm -hmm. from the same state. They've known each other for years. Chris Evans turned it down like three times. That's crazy. Yeah. So, that's really all of the you know, upfront info that I got. I got a couple things as we go along. So, this movie is obviously the origin of Captain America. Uh, we get to flashback to during World War Two, and uh, we see young Howard Stark in mm -hmm. this movie. We get to see the Howling Commandos, like Dum Dum Dugan, who 
I think was cast well and played well. I mean, obviously, if you've played the uh, the uh, Ultimate Alliance games, he's a character that you can talk to, and he flies you to all your missions and all that. So, playing those games and then seeing this, I was like, oh, Dum Dum Dugan, cool, on, uh, that's great. The cigars and the bowler hat. And, yeah, we also had uh, Jim Morita. He yes. was the Asian American guy, and he's like, I'm from Fresno, Ace. Uh, but that actor also goes on to be in Spider-Man: Homecoming. Well, he's a descendant. He plays like the grandson or the something grandson like that. of him because he has a picture of his grandfather above him, and that's so great. Mm-hmm. That's such a great little Easter egg to do. Yep, that's fantastic. Love but it. only specific people will be like, wait. But if you go back and watch it, you see the picture. Oh, okay, Perfect. I see what they did. That's brilliant. Fantastic. Okay, so. Um, we get the sort of the more of the journey of the Tesseract. It's in mm-hmm. where are they like Norway or Germany or somewhere yeah. like that. And uh, Mr. Filch from Harry Potter is there guarding the Tesseract. And then uh, Mr. Smith comes in <laughs> and talks about Hitler searching for artifacts in the desert. Uh, the uh, Ark of the Covenant, uh, yeah. perhaps, yeah. you know. Little uh, little connection of the universes, obviously. And he finds the Tesseract behind that tree which is the tree that thor is showing uh you know natalie portman in the thor movies like Mm -hmm. explaining the nine realms to her Mm -hmm. so more connections good stuff there good uh, uh, consistency and stuff yeah which you know they do so well they do so uh so this uh we see agent smith hugo weaving as (laughs) yeah um Red Skull. Red Skull. You know, he's wearing his... Johan Schmidt. His skin face at this moment. We hadn't seen him as Red Skull yet. But did you know that the face paint is the reason he didn't return? I do know that. His Infinity War and Endgame? He hated doing the makeup for Red Skull. But it looked so good. Yeah. When they do that kind of stuff, I'm like, screw you, man. I'd sit for hours and put on red paint. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, I'm so glad that you have the opportunity to say no to things. Because you don't want to sit in a chair for six hours. I'd kill to sit in a chair for six hours. Well, you know, I think he also paid his dues in New Zealand putting those uh, elven ears yeah. on all the time. That's true. So, and the wigs and all that. So That's true. You know, I'll, I'll cut him some slack yeah. for that. And hey, we on. do like Hugo Waving. We... we we like all the people that we complain about most of the time, but they're complaining about being celebrities. Even Harrison Ford. That pisses us off yeah. because that's a heck of an opportunity, man. It's just cool. It'd be hard. Like when Chris Evans in that interview said he didn't want to be stuck playing Captain America for the rest of his career. Poor baby. Darn. Shucks. I wouldn't mind playing the blob for the rest of my career <laughs> in X-Men. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Um, so we, of course, meet Steve Rogers. Steve Rogers, born on the 4th of July. Yes. You didn't know that? Scrawny. Scrawny Steve Rogers. Tiny little guy. Tiny little guy. They had to shoot all of the scrawny Steve Rogers stuff. They had to shoot it four times. They had to shoot it with uh, Chris Evans in the scene. They had to shoot it with his body double in the scene. They had to shoot Chris in front of a green screen. Then they had to shoot on the location without Chris in the scene. Yeesh. So, a lot of work. And the guy that played the scrawny Steve Rogers body uh, was a bartender when they're all celebrating. Like, I guess he rescues the Howling Commandos. And they're, yeah. and he, I think it's the guy that's like, oh, where are they putting all this? 
Yeah. That's scrawny Steve Rogers there. I like that. Yep. We've also met Bucky. We do meet Bucky. Young Sergeant Barnes. Mm-hmm. We weren't a sergeant yet. He was just getting his orders, right? Something like that. And we've seen Steve get de- denied yet again. And he gets pissed off and he gets in an alley fight and gets his butt kicked. But he gets to deliver that line that Cap says in every movie pretty much. He can do this all day. do this all day. But then Bucky shows up and saves him. So, yeah, we learn about the heart of Steve Rogers. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't like bullies. He wants to do what's right. He wants to help the little guy. Uh, he wants to do his part to he's serve a, his... He's a good man. He is a good man. He's a great man. And so he is the right choice to be Captain America. And the moment for me where he really, where Captain America truly is born, is the the great scene where Tommy Lee Jones throws the grenade yes. into the into the group, and all the men scatter, but not Steve. He jumps on it. He falls on the grenade, and uh, because it's like he's the only one who's thinking of the good of everybody else, mm-hmm. you know. So I did a deep dive. Okay. There's a Wikipedia page devoted to falling on a grenade. And it says, Falling on a grenade is the deliberate act of using one's body to cover a live, time-fused hand grenade, absorbing the explosion and fragmentation in an effort to save the lives of others nearby. Since this is almost universally fatal, it is considered an especially conspicuous and selfless act of individual sacrifice in wartime. In United States military history, more citations for the Medal of Honor, the country's highest military decoration, have been awarded for falling on grenades to save comrades than any other single act. Wow. And some people have actually survived. Really? I mean, you know, they didn't come out whole. You know, yeah. But uh, some people have managed to survive. So you got to think, like, the instinct to run away when a grenade lands in the middle of you. Oh, that's Versus... Easy. <laughs> Jump on it and save everybody else. Like, because the first guy to run away is the guy who crap talked him mm-hmm. most of the movie, hit on Haley Atwell's character, couldn't climb the pole that he geniusly used his brain. Yeah, he used his brain. They were like, whoever can bring me that flag gets a free day off. And now they get to ride back. They with get Agent to ride Carter. back with Agent Carter. And nobody could climb it, and he just unlooses the bolts, it falls over, he gives them the flag. So he's Thank shown you. he's got brains, he's got heart, mm-hmm. and he's got courage. Yes. And selflessness. Mm-hmm. All of the things that Captain America needs to be and needs to represent, right? But, uh, yeah, that, that deep dive on falling on a grenade was just really interesting That's to crazy, me. crazy, man. And that it's just happened, it's a common thing, you know? It's crazy. I can't say that I would have the... The gumption to do it. Dude, like... I mean, if in, my, in the heat of it? If my kid was close by, yeah. maybe... No, not maybe. Definitely then, I would be. I would probably be doing that. Yeah. You know, but in the situation that, that Steve is in there in that scene, I don't know. <laughs> I like all you guys pretty good, but uh, I'm going to run this way. Yeah. So... And Erskine sees it, too. Erskine's there. Right. The creator of the serum, of the super serum. And that's serum. sort of like when he knows... This is the guy. This is the guy right here. Because he even has that moment where he's sitting on the bed with him, and he's like, you're not a good soldier. I don't. I didn't create the serum for a good soldier, but a good man. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes him chosen. Mm-hmm. And we get this awesome scene, the creation of Captain America, 
which has been done over and over in comics, but we get to finally see it in the live-action world. And they're all in this this bunker with Howard Stark, played by Dominic Cooper, who was also in Mamma Mia. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, Haley Atwell's in, there. Uh, a preacher. Yes, preacher. He's good in preacher. And there's there's a mysterious gentleman there who we don't know at the time is actually Hydra, like in secret. And he's watching the whole thing happen. And he is played by Thorne Oakenshield himself from the Hobbit series. Mm-hmm. And we get this cool moment where they've put him, they've given him the injection, and they're like, this is really going to hurt. And they give him the shot, and uh, he says, that wasn't too bad. And he goes, that's what's penicillin. <laughs> and then they hook him up to this thing with like all these needles shooting into him, and they close the chamber, and it's this big blinding light that I guess is what kicks the serum in. And so, fun fact, um, Haley Atwell, who plays Peggy Carter... <laughs> I know about this. Surprisingly, uh, touching Chris Evans' chest yep. as he emerged from the pod upon turning into Captain America was very much improvised. And the surprise on her face is genuine. As she admitted in interviews, she was very taken back by Chris's physique and nearly broke character and ruined the take that made it into the film. It was instinct, baby. It was instinct. She was truly like, whoa. Yeah. He's chiseled. Like, oh, wow. Uh, that's cool. That's funny. That is very funny. Uh, you said he declined the role three times. Mm-hmm. Um, this was actually not out of dislike for the role, but because he feared the effects of the sudden increase of fame would be to his private life. I can respect that. Then RDJ personally called him and convinced him to take the part. Thank goodness. Yes. Yes. Thank goodness. Um, so, one interesting thing is that we get, you know, we see the, the birth of the physical Captain America there. Mm-hmm. You know, they hit pause and Cap went into P90X real quick. And <laughs> then uh, he takes off after the Hydra spy, you know, Thorin and everything. But it's only after all the commotion, after he's done all the crazy things, ripping the door off the car and using it as a shield, chasing guys and all the stuff he did, that he stops and realizes the body that he's in. Mm-hmm. He just, this was all instinct. This was all just, to just him acting as Steve Rogers right away. This is what needs to be done. Yeah. And then. Because oh, they shot wow. and killed Erskine. Look at me. Yeah. Yeah. This, this Thorin Oakenshield, the secret Hydra spy. And when he catches him in the submarine and pops him out, he says, uh, 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 you may stop me, cut me, cut one head off and a hundred will grow back. Hail Hydra. And he bites the, he bites the suicide pill and dies. So this immediately caps like born instincts kick in, notices his physical body and then realizes, well, something's up already. And I I enjoyed that first part there because we've seen at this point Iron Man and Hulk and all that and but to see like this is the early days of Shield, mm-hmm. you know, because it's Peggy that starts Shield, mm-hmm. and Stark and all. We haven't se- we've seen Fury, we've heard of the Shield, but this is pre Shield. Yeah. So it's really cool to see their secret under 
bunker underground, but it's all not really technological, but for that time it is technological. I really need to go back and watch Agent Carter. Yeah. Yeah. And this sort of inspired me to add it to the list. Ah. Um, and I remember when it came out, I think I did watch like, wasn't it a Hulu exclusive? It was. Or something? I watched like the first one or two. Because it's post then, First Avenger. Yeah. And pre everything else. Everything else. Because it's right after this. Yeah. So. But yeah. Uh so he of course they use him as like the mascot, you know, mm-hmm. by the the bonds and all that. It's a, a bullet in the barrel of your best guy's gun or whatever. Um that in that montage with the growing fame and popularity of Captain America, they actually use the legit Captain America issue number 1. Mhm. Uh, where he's punching Hitler. Yeah. Um, which, I don't know if you remember when we did uh, a Superman deep dive a long time ago, we talked about how they had this idea of Superman like flying over to Germany and beating the Nazis and all that, but then they didn't really do that as much because they felt like, oh, it's sort of disrespectful to the troops. Like, oh, this dude easily goes over there and kicks butt. Does their job. You know, so they sort of went the opposite direction, I guess, with Captain America mm-hmm. because they... Put him punching Hitler right there on the, yeah. the first issue, but yeah, and also in that montage, there's a cute blonde lady who comes up to Steve Rogers and wants his autograph. Mm-hmm. Who you know where I'm going with this, don't you? Mm-hmm. She, we see that same actress again in the Guardians of the Galaxy, playing uh, Star Lord's mom in the first heartbreaking scene of the movie, which. Uh started a crazy theory that and, and uh, she's his grandma or great grandma or something like that yeah that like uh, Cap is Star-Lord's <laughs> actual great great grandfather nah, or something like Steve, that Steve Rogers didn't sleep around no guys. he did not and he Ego is very much his father <laughs> yeah uh, so uh, yeah that's, that's kind of a crazy theory uh, did you know that Stanley Tucci actually took the role because he had he wanted to do a, wanted German, to do a role? German accent? Yep. He did it well. He does everything well. Have you seen The Lovely Bones? Not yet. Oh, he's scary. You will see Tucci in a different light mm. after this movie. He is creepy. He was uh, also really good in Hunger Games. He was. I liked him in Hunger Games. But yeah. Also, another uh, famous person uh, cameo, Mar- uh, Marjorie Terrell from Game of Thrones. I can't remember the actress's uh, name. Uh, I'm always forgetting yeah. their names, but yeah. uh, she plays the blonde that sort of tempts Steve, and Peggy sees it and gets all jealous. Mm-hmm. So, lots of important people in this movie. Thorin and everybody. There are. Uh, I love, there's this meme that says, uh, it's got someone watching through the MCU for the first time, saying like, God, where did Marvel get all these amazing actors? And then if you look under, they were all in Lord of the Rings movies. Like, uh, they were always amazing, and they did Lord of the Rings first. Yeah. Thank you. So, I don't know if you caught on to this, or if this was on purpose or not, but on the train sequence, like right before Bucky falls off the train... He like actually holds the shield for a minute. That was a purposeful like foreshadowing yeah. thing, I guess, right? Um, and man, that was a brutal fall. Like, yes. I really paid close attention to Bucky falling out of the train this time, and yeah, that's a long drop. 
It is. And so he did. He is the idea that he fell in the water. He fell in the river. He fell. That's in the where snow. they found him. I fell no, he in the snow. Fell in the snow. Okay. Um. Lost his arm somehow in the fall. One of my favorite scenes in this movie. Can you guess? Favorite scene. One of my favorite scenes. Like when I think about this movie, this is one of the scenes. When he walks up with all the troops. No. That he saved. No. When he. I don't know then. Cap's not even in it. Cap's not in it? Nope. Is it with Zola and Red Skull? No. It's uh, Zola and Tommy Lee Jones. Ah, when yes. he brings in the food, and he's like so nonchalant, like eating the steak in front of him. Like, yeah. well, you didn't eat the cyanide, which tells me you want to live and all yeah. this stuff. This is very K. That was a great, <laughs> very Tommy Lee Jones. great scene. And the fact that Tommy Lee Jones is in a Marvel movie. Tommy Lee Jones is a gem. He is. He's fantastic. How old's Tommy Lee Jones now, do you think? This was 10 years younger ago. Younger than Harrison. So. Is he really? Pretty sure he's younger oh, than Oh, he Harrison doesn't look it. He doesn't look it at all. You think he's aged bad? I think so. So Tommy Lee Jones is 74. So he's yeah. like four years younger than Harrison yeah. Ford. Cool. And they were both in The Fugitive together. Well, Tommy Lee Jones is a gym. He is. For sure. He's fantastic. And he survives this movie, but never comes back. Um, I've been reading... A lot of comics this summer. Good. And uh, I have, I'm right now like halfway through the whole Secret Wars uh, stuff from the 80s, the original Secret Wars with the Beyonder and all that stuff. And one of the sort of like things that sticks out a lot is Cap giving orders. Cap just sort of taking the lead, taking charge. I'll be the leader. I'll, you know, give all the orders. And everybody's like, God, stop giving me orders. Stop giving me orders. That happens in the movies, too. Um, and it really starts here. Like, I think I remember specifically one time Tommy Lee Jones saying, you know, are, are you giving me orders? You know? So, like, it's funny that they include that little cap thing. Like, mm-hmm. him always taking charge and giving everybody orders. And it's like, oh, that's yeah. your thing. But Yeah. And then that great uh, sort of makes me think of that scene in Avengers when it's right in the middle of the Battle of New York and... Cap walks up to these two cops and tells them whatever. And he's like, "What? What are you? What are you telling me to do?" And there's, or who are you to give us orders? The cop. And yeah. then the Jatari shows up. Cap beats him up. And he's like, "Okay, I'm going to do exactly <laughs> what this guy says." Um, you mentioned the Beyonder. Somebody online said that. Is there which which Duke boy from the original series was the brunette? Bo. Bo. There's no, 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 no. Luke. Reverse. Okay, so the the wish is that somebody would de-age Luke Duke and let him be the Beyonder. Because, <laughs> you know, and that old comic, the Beyonder's <laughs> got this retro look and the hair. He looks like Luke Duke. I can see it. <laughs> Somebody's like, is there any way we can de-age that guy and him be the Beyonder? Hilarious. I was like, I don't hate it, but I'm pretty sure that's not going to happen because <laughs> it's not going to be that version when we do get to Secret Wars because we're getting... To Secret Invasion. Well, they ended up doing like two or three different. I would imagine sequels, Secret Wars Secret is going to be a, a movie in the next five years. I think that's probably on the yeah. On the, uh, it's on the horizon. Yeah. Uh, so get to know the Beyonder people before we get there. Um, so we we Peggy Carter's role in this movie, I, I especially love because there's the interest. Obviously, there's the love interest, and but she's also a badass and she like gets quippy with Howard Stark who obviously 
we've already seen Tony Stark's quippiness in, in Iron Man. Um, his father was really no different mm-hmm. in his younger days. And we she gets with him constantly. She gets with Steve. She even gets with Tommy Lee Jones' character. All of the guys in the boot camp, she gets with them. So I really love Atwell's performance in this movie yeah. as Peggy Carter. And I, enjoy, I remember enjoying the show. I don't remember much about it. Uh, I, I also need to go back and watch it, especially since we've talked about this. And uh, I, I, I hate that. I'm excited for What If, because she's voicing. She's coming back to voice Peggy Carter. She's going to be like, is she going to be Captain Britain? Captain Isn't Britain. That the idea? Yeah. And I'm glad, but I wanted more Peggy Carter after this. And I know she got her own show, which, in my opinion, didn't get enough time. Did they ever do anything with her in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Because I know that uh, Jim Morita was in it. Not that I I didn't. I got. When they started bringing in humans, I stopped watching. I know Ken M would crucify me because he loved the show. Well, I think you got farther than I did. Yeah, I just just didn't. It was slow. It was too slow for me. It didn't land on me the way it landed on a lot of people. And I I love Agent Coulson, and I wish they'd bring him back, especially since Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is over. Mm -hmm. Uh, I love Phil Coulson. Uh, But I really wanted more Atwell in the MCU than we got. And I understand it was a timeline thing, that she's in the past and not in the present. We did get to see the older version of her. Briefly, yeah. And her funeral, but... I love her as an actress. Yeah, I mean, really, it's hard for that one to not be like a one and done. Yeah. So. It's kind of like in Wonder Woman with Steve Trevor. It's that timeline. Like, I mean, aside from the weird body shaping thing they did with Wonder Woman 84, him possessing a body or whatever. Oh, yeah. Um, But, you know, it's kind of like that with Wonder Woman Steve Trevor. You know, you're, you're stuck with, they're in the past, and that's the best you can, you can get of them. But I really... Her performance as, as Peggy Carter in this movie stuck out to me. And again, I know it's about Captain America, but watching through again this time, I was like, man, yeah, was, she's good. Uh, yeah, I kind of had the same... It, it's in her eyes and her face and the way she receives lines and the way she delivers. Them. I appreciated her a lot more this mm. this watch through, which is sort of why I was like, oh, I feel like I should go watch Agent yeah. Carter. should really give it a, a fair chance, mm-hmm. along with the thousands of other things I've added to my list. We're going to have to f- create a physical copy of this list. I have it on my phone. I'll show it to you And let people see it. Yeah. they like, what do you think the doc should add to the list? <laughs> no. <laughs> It'll never... It never ends. So any other fun little... I think that's Things all I that got. stuck by, stuck out to you or... No, I... You know, we've said it. We're not huge cat fans and everything, uh, but this is one of those early MCU movies that I've, you know, seen a handful of times, whatever. It's not one of my go-tos, not one of my favorites, really. Yeah. But this time through, for some reason, I just really enjoyed and appreciated it. Maybe it's because I was watching it on the 4th of July. I don't know. But <laughs> but I enjoyed it, and uh, I had fun talking about it. So I had one more fun uh, little um, knowledge here. Chris Evans and Sebastian Stan are actually the same height. 
but they did, they did some funny camera trickery, kind of like they did with the Fellowship. Yep. Uh, not CGI. Yep. They did a camera trickery to make Captain America look much taller than Bucky Barnes. Yes, I did know that. I thought that was interesting. Uh, they also did that in Tropic Thunder with Robert Downey Jr. and Ben Stiller, because Ben Stiller's naturally shorter. But there was a scene where they needed him to appear taller than RDJ's character. But I love learning that little thing, especially with Lord of the Rings, because John Reese davies is actually one of the taller members of the Fellowship, mm-hmm. but he was Gimli. Tallest, I believe. Yeah, but he was the dwarf. So just for funsies, because okay. I, I enjoy when we do this, and we did this last week, and I thought, oh, let's go, let's go two in a row here. As guys who are not super big Captain America fans, we're going to take some Captain America trivia quiz questions here and read them off and these are multiple choice it's always easier when we have multiple choice and we're going to see how we do on this because I feel like this is probably going to be mostly common knowledge so I think we'll do okay but we'll see are you ready as ready as I'll ever be alright here we go question number one Captain America made his first appearance in what comic book Captain America comics number one war comics number one Wiz Comics number two, Tales of Suspense number 58. The answer I know is Captain America Comics number one. Yes. So we're going to go with that one. And we got it right. Captain America made his first appearance in Captain America Comics number one in March of 1941. On the cover, he decks Hitler with a punch to the chin. What better way to introduce a hero clad in the American flag during World War II? Mm. And I should mention that this quiz comes to us from the fine folks at UsefulTrivia.com. <laughs> Question number they, two. Uh, they do not sponsor the show. <laughs> they, this is a free plug. This free is a free plug. plug. Question two. Who created Captain America uh, in, in real life? Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. Joe Simon and Jack Schuster. Joe Simon and Jack Kirby. Stan Lee and Bob Kane. It's uh, Joe Simon and Jack Kirby. Yes. Stan Lee did not. No, Stan Lee did not create uh, Captain America. And that is correct. Joe Simon was the author, and Jack Kirby was the artist. All right, what is Captain America's secret identity? Tony Stark, <laughs> Steve Rogers, Peter Parker, Clint Barton. Well, this one we know. Steve. We're going to be safe on this one, and it is indeed Steve Rogers. Who was Captain America's sidekick during World War II? Miss America, Flag Boy, Union Jack, or Bucky? <laughs> as much as I know it's Bucky, I'm like... Flag Boy would be a fantastic sidekick. But it is Bucky. Bucky Barnes. We're four for four so far. There's ten total. Oh. What team of superheroes discovered Captain America's body frozen in a block of ice in 1964? The Fantastic Four, the Avengers, the Defenders, or the All-Star Squadron? I want to say it's the Avengers. I mean... it's the Fantastic Four. Whoa. There's some dissension in the ranks here, people. What do we do? Uh, I would say we each pick an answer and then play rock, paper, scissors and see who's, which answer we put. Well, even if we get it wrong and one person said the other, that, that just means our count will be different. So it's like, oh, I see what you're saying. We need to rock, paper, scissors for which one we actually pick. Yeah, so I'm going to say Fantastic Four. I'm going to say The Avengers. Okay. Ready? Okay. So we'll say do on shoot. All right. Ready? Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Mmm. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. <laughs> Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Ah! I win. <laughs> so I'm going to pick Avengers. 
And that's correct. Uh, it I, was the Avengers. The Lord you won. Let's see. During the final days of World War II, Captain America and his sidekick Bucky attempted to end the murderous rampage of the evil villain Baron Zemo, who had attached an explosive device to an experimental drone plane. The two heroes managed to board the plane, but the bomb exploded in midair, killing Bucky and throwing Captain America into the frigid waters of the North Atlantic, where he was frozen in a block of ice until 1964, when the Avengers discovered him and managed to successfully revive him after years of being trapped in a state of suspended animation. Wow. And there you go. All right, question There's six. actually, uh, on Avengers Assemble, the cartoon show, there is a flashback of that exact story in an episode where Cap's kind of remembering mm -hmm. Bucky, and they do they play that entire story out, like them climbing the tower and getting to the the, the jet and it blowing up. And I've seen three or four different versions of Cap going in the ice. Yeah. Uh, question number six. For a brief period during the 1970s, disillusioned by U.S. politics, Captain America changed his name to Exile, Wanderer, Nomad, Outsider. I know the answer to this. It's Nomad. Mm-hmm. So we're going to... I'm going to go with you. And hey! That's it. Nomad. Man without a country. Yep. I knew that one. Okay. Uh, seven. What was the original shape of Captain America's shield? Oh, I know Star-shaped, bad-shaped, circular, square. What's a bad shape? It's like... That. That. That's what that's it is. That's it. Bad-shaped. Sure. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Captain America's original shield was uh, bad shaped. It's the one that he carries when in he's issue uh, one punching Hitler. But yeah, but in the movie. Oh yeah, when he's going on the tour. Mascot Captain yeah. America. Yeah. Number eight. Uh oh. Okay. What villain did Captain America and Bucky fight in the very first issue of Captain America comics? Baron Zemo, Viper, Red Skull, Nazi soldiers. Did we just go over this? Well, on the cover, he's punching Hitler. So, first issue, I kind of want to say Nazi soldiers. But did we read something earlier that said Baron Zemo? They were Zemo? going after Baron Zemo, who had a bomb, didn't we? Uh, that the first issue? It doesn't say that that's the first issue. That's smart. So. I mean, it's him punching Hitler, but. Did you know that the uh, idea for Red School came from uh, a cherry? No. Yeah, that's how they got the idea. <laughs> uh, so I was I was drinking an old fashioned the other day in the bar, and there was a cherry in it, and I just thought, villain, Marvel basically. villain. That was it. <laughs> you can see that on the uh, extra features of uh, of the movie on Disney Plus. <laughs> uh, so, do you want to go with Nazi soldiers? I'm gonna go with Nazi soldiers. All right, and eh, we got that wrong. So let's try Baron Zemo. That was, uh, all right, let's go Red Skull. It's Red Skull. Uh, Red Skull's in the very first I felt issue. like that was on two on the nose. Me too. Uh, number nine, so we, we've missed one. When Bucky was wounded in combat, who became Captain America's new sidekick? Human Torch, Spitfire, Miss America, Golden Girl. Uh, I believe it's Human Torch, mm -hmm. but not... Johnny, not the, Storm, not Johnny the Storm, original, the like, original Human timely Torch. comics Human yeah. Torch. So we're going to go with that. And that's not uh, right. Um, is there a Miss America? I don't remember a Miss America. Let's find out. That's not it either. Spitfire. No. Nope. Golden Girl. Okay, so this is this is a new one for us. Yeah. In Captain America Comics number 66, Bucky was wounded in combat. 
And Captain America recruited Betsy Ross, a former FBI agent he had worked with in the past, to be his new partner. He trained Betsy and gave her the name Golden Girl. Betsy Ross, do you think she was a great-great-grandmother of Thunderbolt Ross? Perhaps. If anybody has read that deep into the comics, please let us know. Well, Betsy Ross, Golden Girl, thank you for being a friend hmm? to Captain America. All right, question 10, the final question. Who played the title role in the 1979 TV movie Captain America? Oh, no. I know this one. That's Reb terrible. Brown, Matt Salinger, Chris Evans, Dick Purcell. Is it Dick? It is not. The answer is Matt Salinger. He is the How do you son know of the author J.D. Salinger. Catch really? It says that's not right, but I'm like pretty sure that that is actually Well, true. there's only one way to fit. Who Red Brown, it says, played the title role in 1979 movie Captain America. Captain America. Matt Salinger played... Okay, look here. A 1944 Captain America movie featured Dick per, uh, Purcell in the title role. Matt Salinger played Captain America in a 1991 oh, movie. Oh, no. So they all did, in fact, play Captain America. At but some point. Reb Brown played him in the 1979 movie. Have you seen scenes from that movie? I have seen some bits it is and pieces of it. Awful looking. Yeah. Cause he actually there was at one point like a idea for like the Lou Ferrigno Hulk to cross over with him and Thor was even in Lou Ferrigno's Hulk, wasn't he? If I remember correctly. And uh and Lou, that Thor, the <laughs> one at ye old steakhouse, the place that I ate, thou thither the I remember seeing scenes, and I was like, "That would have sucked." Like, yeah, I'm had I uh, had I been a, I've seen some reruns of that Hulk, which it's not even Bruce Banner; it's like some security guard or something that it happens to. It's not even the character of Bruce Banner. What? Yeah, wow. it's weird. This is the one with the na na na. Yeah, no, that's Jurassic Park. Da, 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 no, no, there's that sad little the sad hitchhiking. Stewie hitchhiking. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's that. Yeah, something like that. So, hey, you know, fun fact, we actually did better on that quiz than we did the Mario 64 quiz. <laughs> wow. And we would consider ourselves more of a fan of Mario than Captain America, probably. Yeah, I would. <laughs> but here we are. Strange things. Oh, it was fun. I actually learned something. Yeah. I learned some, sure. a few new things. Golden about Girl. Golden Girl. And I learned that in issue one, it's Red Skull they fight. The more you know. Even though, on issue one, he's punching Hitler. Hmm. Hmm. I wonder how much a like graded, high quality copy of Captain America One goes for. Well, I'm glad you asked because I actually looked that up, and Captain America Number One in mint condition would sell for at least two million. Dollars. Wow. If it ever came out for sale. A copy in CGC NM 9.4 recently sold for 915000 which is the highest public sale for this issue. In mid and low grades, Cap Number 1 is still a very expensive book. In FN 6.0, copies still sell for $175,000. I'm not a collector in the sense of like, oh, I have to have this certain issue that featured yeah. this or whatever. But the 
I would really like to have. It's never gonna happen. A copy of the Secret Wars number like eight or whatever, where it's the first appearance of uh, Spidey in the black suit. Mm-hmm. Well, you never know, because if anybody that we've called out for any of these great ideas that we have actually ever cash in on them and pay us back, maybe one day you could own that. That would be the first thing I buy. <laughs> this has been fun, man. So much fun. Uh, you know, uh, we've we've joked about not being a huge fan, but uh, I tell you, the MCU and going back and reading some Cap and just being a little more open about different characters that I normally was closed-minded about uh, has made me more respectful towards the character of Captain America. Mm-hmm. And I know that anytime we've said that about some of Logan's favorite characters, anytime he listens, he start he, he does that little like, because <clears throat> we said that about Superman. We were like, oh, you know, after studying, we do have a little bit more of a respect for Superman. <clears throat> Got him. <laughs> so I'm sure he's saying that about now, about Cap. But... I have a bigger respect. He's not in my. He's not moved into my top fifteen, but maybe fifteen. I don't know. Maybe twenty. Maybe twenty of Marvel. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah. But I have mad respect for him now. Yeah. And he, as I said earlier, is in my mind the embodiment of what America should strive to be. Every day. So be like Chris Evans. I mean, be like Captain America. Or one of those other guys who played Captain America. (laughs) Thank you, nerds, for tuning in to another episode of 30 Nerdy Podcast. Very excited uh, for the next episode. As we said, we're going to be talking about Loki, episode 5. So watch that when it comes out, or at least within the 72-hour window. Because we are going to be doing something special. We're going to be recording via car on our way to watch Black Widow, and then we're going to be recording again on our way home from Black Widow, and we're going to be talking about the character of Black Widow and the movie, because it will be fresh on our brains, because we are going to see it, and I'm telling you all now, starting July 8th, start sending in happy birthday (laughs) messages to the doc here, because he'll be turning 32... It's true, it's true. It's true, it's Seems true. Seems like so long ago I was making jokes about not being 30. Not being 30. On yeah. the 30 and nerdy podcast, yeah. and now I'm 30. Almost 30 for you. and oh, thir- no, 29. Let's not forget, you're 30, I'm not yet. <laughs> <laughs> Man, our, mi- our mid-30s are, are in the horizon. Approaching. They are. So we really do need to be thinking about... The what branding when we hit forty? <laughs> yeah. Send happens? in your ideas. Yes, please. If thir- if this podcast is going in eight years time still, please send in your ideas for what we call it, what we rebrand to when we turn forty, because forty does not rhyme with nerdy, <laughs> unless we did like th- nerdy after thirty. Forty shorty. What? Unless we said nerdy like Gru does and despicable Nordy. Fordy and Nordy. Ah, that's one impression I cannot do. <laughs> well, it definitely rhymes. It does but rhyme. I don't know about but it. But I don't know. Uh, so thanks. Thank you. Please uh, send in your thoughts about Cap, about Loki, the previous episode that we all just watched. 
we are very excited for more things coming. We got Black Widow. We got uh, a lot planned for August. It's going to be fun. And go ahead now and watch it and be ready because we do know in August we're going to be talking about The Princess Bride. We have been wanting to talk about The Princess Bride for a while and just never found the time. It is a vintage, classic, quality film. And if you have not seen it, you need to because we will be talking all about that. That will be in August, of course, so you got a little bit of time. But I uh, just wanted to let you know now. So watch The Princess Bride. And Juice, anything else from you? Check us out on Podchaser. Uh, also, check out 30nerdypodcast.com to get links to all of our social media accounts and whatnot. And, uh, yeah. We'll Absolutely. See, Don't see forget. Next week. Follow The Rev on Instagram uh, for about collectibles, Pokemon, Pop, stuff like that. That's uh, at R-E-V underscore C-O-L-L-3 C-T-I-O-N. And for... Dr. Juice is Loose, Davis. I'm Tyler Mack. Cheers to you. Oh, baby, I'll get that car. Ooh, let's get that car. Oh, let's get the keys and go. You've been listening to the 30 and Nerdy Podcast, the flagship show of Badcast Company Productions. Thirty and Nerdy Podcast is an alternate reality radio show, a member of the Legion of Independent Podcasts, and part of the Council of Nerds. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Join in on the conversation using the hashtag 30andNerdyPod. You can find us and other amazing podcasts at podchaser.com by searching The Apodalypse and PodNation. Got something to say? Email us at 30andnerdypod at gmail.com or find us at 30andnerdypodcast.com. This has been the 30andnerdypodcast. Cheers to you, nerds. Nerds.